Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. The Sunday Session is brought to you by More Beer, who has just opened their East Coast Distribution Center and is now shipping orders from California and Pennsylvania. Check them out at morebeer.com. I poured it in my mouth and it just wasn't going down. My first beer was an IPA, the best IPA I've ever drank. Mostly because I brewed it. If you have a scale that is good for measuring cocaine, you're probably good for measuring hops on cocaine. You're scaring me. <laughs> I think the information is awesome and the audio sucks. Take some sugary water, throw some yeast in there, and you're going to drink good beer. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. It's fine. Another session live from Martinez. Snow bums today. I've wandered into the studio. I didn't even see any outside. No. Not yet. Are weird. It's a little warm out there. It's too light. It's too, it's too light. Just wait till dusk. It's man. warm, too. It uh, is. I think our security is doing a great job out there. <laughs> what do you mean? What's with the bum sitting on the sofa in the studio, then? Oh, no, that's Tim from Lagunitas. Oh. Yeah. Hey <laughs> He's just hanging out. Uh, not a bum. Actually, he's our security. He has dedicated himself tonight. He said, "He said, go ahead and leave the door unlocked this episode because I'm here, buddy. I got you. Great. You don't look a little half bum, half security. <laughs> That's why Lagunitas yeah. hired him. They're, they're kind of that way. It's bumerity. <laughs> All right. We've got a lot to do today. First, I want to thank our sponsor over at More Beer, the sponsor of this Sunday session and every uh, Monday and Sunday session. Uh, go check them out at morebeer.com. They've been with us for a long time. I invited Chris Graham to come in and taste today because, as you may or may not know, it is the finale of the Brewcaster Challenge between Doc and John Plisse. Wow. Yeah, I thought maybe Chris Graham would be a good taster. I haven't heard back yet, so I don't think he's going to make it. Oh, that'd be good because he knows John pretty well. He's tasted a lot of John's beers. Sure, so he would know if this was a good one or a bad one. But I don't think he's going to make it. He's a new dad. It won't be a bad one. And I think Graham's one of 
those dads. What does that mean? You know, the dad who the rest of your life falls off of a cliff the second <laughs> that a baby comes out of a vagina. Yeah. You know, the, it so comes, he's a good dad. It, the, the head pokes out into the world and dad gets amnesia about the rest of his entire life. Right. Or he now goes from work to home to work to home to work to home to work to home to work to home. Sometimes he doesn't even go to work. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Even, yeah. But he's one of those dads. Give him credit. Yeah. There's two of them. There are two. That's true. They're twins. Uh, they spit out bit, two babies. You're right. He's more apt to become one of those. Yeah, he guys. doesn't have an option as I see. <laughs> I'll text him sometimes at two in the morning just because I have a stupid thought in my head. And he texts me back. So I know what he's doing. Ah, uh, he's up feeding. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Breastfeeding. He has one of those. He told me he has one of those holsters that the guy wears. No, he doesn't. Uh, no, he didn't tell yeah. me. <laughs> but I like to start rumors like that about Chris Graham because he goes to a lot of beer events and they're like, Dude, really? The the breast thing that you wear? That's disgusting. Oh, because somebody asked if they could fill it with beer. <laughs> right. And then suckle. Now, I know what kind of baby daddy you were, Doc. That's that's a no-brainer. But what about you, Tasty? Were you one of those dads? Did you, like, did the <laughs> no. rest of the world disappear when you uh, had your kids? Probably for, like, you know, uh, three or four months. Yeah. Yeah, so they can walk yeah, on their own. I, I still play golf and all that other shit. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. You never know. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Well, no. Right. There are a couple right. types of dads. Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm from yeah. another era, right? So what uh, now, you know... You got to outdo your friends in terms of being a parent, kind of thing. You know? Oh, I thought you meant you were in the era of the wife fucking stays home and <laughs> in the kitchen taking care of babies. Not far from that. Oh, yeah. Because you're also from Missouri, right? Well, yeah. Illinois. So I'm yeah, thinking Missouri there. back in the what 20s or something. Is well, that yes, when you, yeah, were, you had yeah, your yeah. kids pre Dust Bowl? Yeah. Because yeah. 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 <laughs> like after right. beer came back, I came back. <laughs> well, that's how we wound up in California, just beating that, that Dust Bowl, dude. <laughs> you know? Oh, come on, I was a very doting father. Yeah, Pictures of me actually holding the kid, and you know what? It's one. I saw it. Yeah. You got to take care of them until they can find their own food. <laughs> right. Until they can hunt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Find that cereal box. So today, not only do we have the final of the Brewcaster Challenge, but we've also got Summit Brewing Company's very own brewmaster, Damien Damo McCann. He's a Damo. He is a Damo. I wore my Damo shirt. Nice. Of course Just you for did. Damo? Just Perfect. for Damo. I thought that Damos were only in Australia, but apparently we're wrong. Apparently we are wrong. <laughs> Our worldview has been shattered once again. <laughs> well, because here there we think they're well, and by we I mean the limited amount of people in this room think that it means you're retarded. <laughs> in Australia, it's a normal name, and I'm I'm well, it's a name. I would guess that Damien also thinks it's a normal name. <laughs> yeah, at least he hopes so. It's mostly just due to how you say it. You know, when you give it with the the sort of retard Damo! accent, right? But you can do that with any word. Yeah. Radio show. Yeah, Damo. that's true. But there's something about Damo that just fits. <laughs> well, what it says, Damien. Damien. Well, maybe he is from Australia. Uh, no, he's an oh. uh, Irish, Irish fellow. He was actually born in Dublin, too. And oh. a lot of his beer training is over in the UK, so we'll get some interesting stories out of Damien uh, about all that. So if you got questions, 888-401-BEER or hit the chat button right there on the homepage. You can, you can get to us that way. Uh, Moscow, we already have a phone call if you want to be our screener until right. the beef gets here. Triple eight four zero one beer. Let me get through a few announcements for you, and then we'll get right to uh, right to things. First of all, the very first ever Bay Area Bacon and Beer Festival I is know. coming. It's happening this Sunday, the twenty fifth. It's at the Fairmont in uh, San Francisco, and um, that's wrong and right at the same time. How can you how can you miss a bacon and beer festival? I don't think you can. But you, well, gotta, but you have to dress up because it's the Fairmont. It's the fair, you know, I'm reading through the website and I don't see anything about a dress code. You might you know you might you, be that guy. You can't have a bacon and beer fest and expect people to wear nothing but flip flops and cargo oh, shorts. Oh come on, <laughs> that's just what happened. Well, put on your best bacon tie. <laughs> right, <laughs> be good. 
Uh, let's see. Go to where to eat dot in. Where to eat dot in. I know some chefs that are actually preparing some bacon uh, dishes there. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of different breweries are going to be pouring beer there. Uh, if you go to where to eat dot in, you'll be able to. It's right there in a big giant image, and you'll be able to click that and go over to the uh, 2013 San Francisco Bacon and Beer Festival. That's a disturbing page. image. Isn't the uh, the best bacon dish just bacon? Uh, well, can you imagine if all like however many chefs are they're just frying bacon? Just, here you go, <laughs> it's bacon. Well, you what, can't improve on it. What did you do with yours? I made well, bacon. There are some in here. Yeah, I made bacon oh. in it. What did you do with yours, sir? I made <laughs> bacon, oh. and then I wrapped it in bacon. <laughs> See, that's how you improve upon. Yeah, it. That's true. Well, I made a triple layer of bacon. <laughs> But with mine, I added bacon fat from his bacon dish to my oh, bacon dish. See, now that's, that would be over the top. Huh? Oh, man. So do you, do you keep that uh, starter of, of bacon grease? Yes. Yes. You, know, you have to. It's a mother. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. You just grow up and grow up some more bacon grease and yeah. just kind of keep that in the corner. Would you throw away your mom, too, Doc? Of course you don't. You got to keep that. <laughs> All right, so head on over to wheretoeat.in. Uh, it's coming up this Saturday, so I'd get your tickets right. Or sorry, this Sunday, the 25th, so I'd get your tickets right now. Uh, all right, more to know about the Brewing Network is that Dr. Homebrew is on iTunes and on the right. ONTAP thing right there on the homepage, uh, brewingnetwork.com uh, slash ONTAP, or search Dr. Homebrew in iTunes. That's JP's all-new show um, that's about people sending in beer and those guys tasting them and telling you what's wrong with it that's right absolutely right essentially how's, Lots that, of good how's that going jp i think it's going pretty well i mean it came in with rave reviews at the beginning and is it still hey we have uh we have uh you know 4.89 stars out of five on itunes out of 17 reviews we're doing pretty good wow yeah. that's great thank you uh, 17 of the 18 reviews are from JP and his family. Well, but you know. the other one was, uh, granted, a random listener. We know See, it wasn't from JP's family. That's what I do. Yeah. I put my <laughs> that's true. If it was JP's family, it would be much worse. It's just all my chickens and my cats. <laughs> you just had them pecking at the keyboard? Yeah. Uh, do I need to know who's on the phone yet? Oh, yeah, it's Sully. Oh, yeah, grab that. Sully. Sully up to. Hey, Sully. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going all right. Yeah. Where the heck? Uh, how the heck are you, and where have you been? I don't know. I've, I've only got about four minutes, and I feel like I haven't called in, in like since 2010. Oh. And uh, I, I just felt like I had to call in and check on everybody, make sure everybody's doing well. Is uh, is Michael still on the show? <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Michael. Yeah, you know, you know, the old guy. The, what, you know, oh. That's his name. He got yeah, renamed. Right. We don't call him Michael anymore. No. That, Michael is uh, dead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Michael's uh, dead. I, I, heard, I heard he might have passed away. <laughs> yeah. I heard about Not that. Not that unlikely. And... Uh, and is Doc Doc still on the show? Because I thought he, after the divorce, I thought he might have gone to the Philippines to take a, like a I don't know. I told you it's a, Thailand, a dude. There. Thailand. Yeah, since the <laughs> since the divorce is not yet underway, uh, Doc's still here. He's not off to Thailand oh, yeah. just yet. That's good. That's good. Well, uh, do you have any other new characters I should know about? Or I don't think so. Uh, we're, we're kind of the same old bullshit around here. We have Moscow, is maybe. It? He knows Moscow, yeah. though. He yeah. pretends not yeah, to know, know Moscow, Moscow like everybody else, because Moscow comes up, he's like, hey, I'm Moscow. <laughs> And uh, and every time every time Sully's like, oh, nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, well, I know I, you're still running our old spots from like 2005, right? Yeah, I was wondering if you would ever help, let us update that for you. <laughs> it's Maybe funny. we should get uh, push on it if he's still around. Too. I, I would be happy to do that, but but let's be honest, Sully. Here's what here's what is with Sully. Sully's more of a control freak than I am. So whenever I say. You know, we should update your spot. He's all for it. 
But if him and Nico can't come do it personally, fuck it. You guys don't. You guys are going to screw it up. I, you can't do it. I got to do it, and you're going to screw it up. <laughs> That's Sully talking to me about his spot. He clearly hasn't heard any of the wonderful voiceovers that we do on the station. We should do one as Sully and Nico. I think we could. This is Ali. That is a great idea. It'd be like a Seinfeld episode. And I'm Nico. Anti Sully and Nico. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. Well, I uh, like that. Sully, the other night, day I was listening on the radio and some they were coming up with this new words and this and that and they came up with this term called ghosting. Hmm. You know what that is? Ghosting? Ghosting. What, ghosting? That means when you just no. leave a party without saying anything and they ask where you are. Well, that's the oh, goodbye. did you call uh, in and correct him that that's Sully? That's just call him pulling the Sully. <laughs> right. Yeah. I call it pulling the Sully. What's going on? Hey, somebody's uh, in my territory there. I don't like that. Yeah. They're messing it up. Wait, so, uh, so, uh, uh, so, Justin, are you still dating? What's that girl's name? Are you going to marry her? Uh, Daniela? <laughs> She's still in your... <laughs> Well, I'm dating Kate, but I'll be marrying Daniela, yes. Oh. Are you you calling from a different time warp zone thing? He's missed a few podcasts. I I think I remember reading about that on the interweb somewhere that you had a new girlfriend. I forgot about that. Did that just happen or something? Sully, we need to update your medication. Well, he's he's simultaneously calling from the future and the past, where, where Doc is divorced and Justin is married to Daniela. Right. That's how 2 a rolls, man. That's right. Time is irrelevant. Sully, I gotta do some. Uh, I gotta do some beer news, which you're welcome to stay on the line like uh, with opinion. us for. Or do you have any special updates about the two one A for us? Any secrets we can? Tell? I've got. A, I've got big news that I'll be able to announce in a few months. In about a month, I think. About a month. Is we'll that start. present or future or past? <laughs> <laughs> well, say it was a month from now. What would you be saying? About a month from 1995 <laughs> August. Exactly. Well, guess what, guys? We're opening up a pub just two blocks from AT and T Park. Yeah. Exactly. My friend Nico, my business happening. partner. It's actually happening. Oh my god, that's amazing. Well, Sully, come on the program when you've got your big news and tell it live, will you? I will do that. Uh, I gotta get uh, back in my time warp machine. I'll talk to you later. Bye, Sully. <laughs> All right, take care. I love you. There you go. Uh, the very, uh, the very world famous Sean O'Sullivan. I'm surprised he even said goodbye. He should have just hung up. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't know. He silently hangs up. Sully came in with some jokes ready. Yeah, look at that. Where was I? I don't even remember. iPhone and Android apps. If you want to listen to the go on the go, just search BN Mobile. Uh, it's free for the app. So search in iTunes or the Android Market. You can watch all this live over on live stream by searching uh, Brewing Network or by going to the link, which is at new.livestream.com slash Brewing Network. No, it's the Brewing Network. The Brewing Network. <laughs> Great. That's professionalism right and there. And nobody hates long URLs more than I do, but... These companies make it so difficult. New.custom slash the live stream hyphen the brewing network semicolon backslash for the f- your recommendation <laughs> right. and listening pleasure. We so have to fix that. Can't you get to tinyurl or something? Dot com. Maybe I can tinyurl, but even then, then it's... It's not catchy. Then it's yeah. it's JLPW nine. Oh. That's easier than what you just right. <laughs> OL colon. Yeah, it's short, but it doesn't make any sense. WWW cut and paste. I wonder if we bought a URL and then had it forward to that new dot live stream. So if we bought like, well, we could have like be an army forwarded there, or like like watch us talk on microphones dot com, and then it would forward to the. 
I'll try. So that long. Sometimes they block. Room. Sometimes these things block forwarding too. But I'll try that yeah. and, and see what we can do. How is it that it's 2013? How long has the interwebs been around Moscow now? At, at least ten years. At least that. Minimum. And uh, minimum. Actually, it's been around since like this. Well, and we can't have short URLs. Yeah. I'm sure we can get it redirected. We'll get BKNTV.com and we'll have it redirected to whatever we want. There we go. We can't, but they're all used. Think about it. Every TV taken? Yeah. They're all used. Uh, I don't think so. Well, that's we, why they got to get longer and longer. Can we start over? Well, for now, you can just go to uh, livestream.com and search Brewing Network. Mm-hmm. Or the fucking, Brewing Network. Or new.livestream.com. New.livestream.com slash the Brewing Network. <laughs> when we update our website, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get rid of the old URL. I'm going to leave it there. And keep all the same content, but I, but you'll have to go to new.thebrewingnetwork.com. It makes sense, right? Yeah. What I'm telling you doesn't it sound like good like a, like good business. This is the brand new one. Dot the brewing network. Dot brand new. Dot com. Oh, you guys know that none of this is going to get done as soon as these microphones are off, and yeah, oh, yeah. it's not happening. Thanks, no. Doc. Okay. Yeah. At least you're here to remind everybody. Well, Doc. Doc. Because I know you guys and. Doc probably thinks the chicken actually did cross the road, too. All right. Let me move on. I was there. You can support the BN by shopping on Amazon by clicking the Amazon link right there on our homepage. A lot of you are doing it. We really appreciate it. Uh, We get a chunkier change, but you don't even know it. You just click on the link, and then you go shopping as normal, and you buy your weird shit. What is our Amazon listener purchase of the week, Moscow? This week, it's the Rothko American Flag lapel pin. It, uh, it's a lapel uh, pin. It's a small size, perfect for wearing on clothing or hats, and it's of the highest quality. And I included it because oh, I'm pretty sure this means we have uh, someone running for like local office. Yeah, why? In our midst. Mm-hmm. Who buys the American flag lapel Politicians. pin? Politicians. How, how much was that bad boy? Uh, it was three dollars and ninety nine cents. We made a cool twenty six cents off of it. Nice. Well done. Thank From you. From Rothko, American flag lapel pin. <laughs> That's right, lapel pin. Just send us some of your uh, campaign contributions once you get your uh, you know constituents' money rolling in. Was that really the most interesting item you found on the Amazon? No, I just like the uh, the thought of a politician listening to our show. The VN, yeah. of course you do. From Rothko. <laughs> what if it's a Democrat? There was a couple of sex toys. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Democrats, and I don't. Sex toys. I just I didn't include those. <laughs> they're, good. they're always there. There's some anal beads. Speaking of Democrats, <laughs> there are, you know. They love that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy you guys are doing it, but I'm still boggled by the sex toy purchases on Amazon. Me too. You know, it seems like by our so listeners. Many, what are you yeah. talking about? Well, it's just Amazon. Well, I, I never think we got Adam and Eve still as a sponsor. Well, you think but some old I, old ladies packaging it up for you in that Amazon box, <laughs> and right. she's going to be disgusted because she's going to put your sex toy. You, you think, no, think Marta is going to give a shit? It's yeah. like an eight year old Asian boy that's packing it up. But it just when I think of Amazon, I think of like uh, you know uh, computers and books and uh, you know shoes. Maybe well, uh, some listeners think of dildos. Yeah. I never think of dildos. I never think mm. of uh, everything. You can get cheaper on Amazon, right? Everything. It's like, but Adam and Eve has really good prices, yeah, they too, do, so go Adam and Eve for that shit. How do you beat right. their prices? There's got to be another reason. All right. Well, a- Amazon's a way to help us out. If you want to buy your dildos on Amazon, I don't care. Right. We get a cut of that. So yeah, that's do. great. So every time you drill in the old wife... <laughs> we get a piece of every dildo. Yeah. You think about us. <laughs> that's right. Every fleshlight you buy, that's a little piece <laughs> of us right there. All right? Thank you. Drop loads and change on the Brewing Network. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe and join the BN Army just by clicking the BN Army or donate links there on the homepage. If you you become a a recurring donor, uh, then you're entered into the More Beer Donation Giveaway, which is a $100 gift certificate given away to a random uh, subscriber every single month. Plus, you get our exclusive newsletter, which goes out about once a month with uh, exclusives like that... 
stuff's on sale early or tickets are on sale yes. or am I new merchandise? Yeah. New merchandise available from Rothko. Right. That's right. All right. Sign up and get all these updates and more over on Twitter and Facebook. Facebook Facebook.com. Uh, By the way, yeah. go ahead. But that, 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 no, you uh, go. That. No, you. Oh, all right. Send your show ideas over to Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Send feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Yes, JP? Uh, I was going to say, uh, I have the name of the winner from July's uh, More Beer Drawing. Who was it? Mark V. Mark V, winner of $100 to More Beer. <laughs> Thanks for subscribing to the BN Army. We appreciate it very much. You're welcome. Do we have a Twitter game today? We do. Uh, Twitter so- game is brought to you today by <laughs> Williams Brewing Company. You can go to williamsbrewing.com right now, longtime supporter of the Brewing Network, and we love them for it. Yes, we do. Really fast shipping, I hear. That's what everybody says. You Same want something day. fast, you go to Williams. In by three, out by four. What's our Twitter game? Well, since uh, today is the grand return, of Jonathan 50G please say mm-hmm. uh, I haven't really been in touch with him for a couple years so I want to know where he's been and what he's doing maybe the BN Army knows what the hell the guy's been up to is he uh, you know did he buy an island and he's running a weird hedonism cult who, who fucking knows I would, that would make me happy kid can do anything so yeah. where has please say been and what's he been doing alright I love it don't forget your Twitter games brought to you by Williams Brewing uh, if you want to buy your dildos not on Amazon you should go to adamandeve.com right mm-hmm. now adamandeve.com and for a limited time only I don't know how how long that limited time is, but I'm told it's limited. Act uh, now, act now. If you use coupon code BNARMY, that's B-N-A-R-M-Y, you can get, here you go, 50% off just about any one item. Three free adult DVDs from genres such as... A redheads. Yes. Milfs. Yes. Busty. Yes! Busty redhead milfs. Yes! <laughs> that's right. Three free adult DVDs plus free shipping and a gift so sensual it would it would make a Martian. Uh, and I don't mean the people from outer space. I mean the people from Martinez blush. That's how unique and sensual the gift you is. You can't even mention it? I can't even mention no. it. Go to adamandeve.com right now. Also, you can do this on your mobile phone. So, you know, if you're sitting on public transportation and you're bored and you want to creep out the person sitting next to you, start searching your fetish over on the mobile site. I don't care. It'll be fun. And then tell us what happens. Tell us how the person reacted next to you. That's the feedback I want to hear. Adamandeve.com. Thank you very much. I think it's time for beer news. You think? I don't think I have time for feedback until the end of the program. You always do this to me. Doc, <laughs> beer. I think you have to do... Uh, you're going you're to like the beer news this week, Doc. It'll okay. All right. Uh, you'll play KME until the end? Yeah, make you forget all about feedback. All right, let's do it. <laughs> I doubt it's that. It's the Brewing Network's Beer News, brought to you by Rod All Performance. Well, these are always fun. The uh, uh, lists, you know, top 10 lists. Uh-huh. U- this is USA Today. They've compiled their list of the top 15 U.S. craft breweries. Mm. So the way they compile it, they asked uh, the country's leading craft beer experts, whatever that means, for their suggestions. No one asked us. They didn't ask us. Uh, no. They picked through. They got 72 nominees. Why aren't we on the list of leading beer experts? I, I'm astonished by this every year. Know. How many experts do they have? How deep did they go before yeah. they didn't get to us? There's seven of us in this room. It's and, probably like 10. And- and they, they still didn't get to us. There were there were seventy two nominees, and then they put the vote to the readers, and they got they got more than eleven thousand votes. Um, and these are the results. Okay. You guys want to guess what the number one uh, craft brewery was? Yes. Uh, Go ahead, Tasty. Dogfish head. Wow. Nailing it. First shot right out of the box. Uh, who's number two, Doc? Um. Oh, that's going to be a tough one. I, I'm going to think east. <laughs> yeah, that's I what know. I, did. Uh, I was thinking. Um, uh, 
<laughs> Wrong. JP? Yeah. Uh, I already know, so I can't guess. Oh. Go ahead, Doc. God, look how oh, spit it out. Honestly. Oh, what's the place in Wisconsin? Uh, oh. You're New Glarus? No. Yeah, New Glarus. Stone. No, the, yeah, Stone, exactly. The, uh, oh, that's East. I didn't see it, actually. Tasty <laughs> fuck with you. <laughs> yes, he did. Go ahead. Stone was three. Uh, Boulevard Brewing was oh, yeah. uh, number three. Yep. When um, that one? And uh, then Founders, and then Cigar City coming in at five. Wow. New Belgium, Lagunitas, Bells. At nine is Russian River. Our old friends Lagunitas mm-hmm. and Russian River making the list. Uh, Russian River outplaced Sierra Nevada at number 10. Uh-huh. Then it was Odell at number 11. Three Floyds at 12. Avery, Oscar Blues, and uh, coming up at uh, 15 was Rogue. I don't have a problem with I any of these I wouldn't argue with that list at all. That's an excellent Dogfish list. had nine spaces ahead of Russian River, huh? Hmm. I'm not saying I don't have a problem with the order of the list. Yeah. I don't have a problem with any of the breweries on this yeah. list. Yeah, uh, especially when they didn't ask any of us. <laughs> yeah, I which, didn't get to vote. I don't subscribe or listen. Or I'm finding it increasingly offensive that we are left off of the expertise map. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Could is it, it be the we dick say, jokes? Yeah, I was going to say. Could it, could it be the racism? Well, I don't think there's anything like that. <laughs> Can you be racist against beer? No. Uh, I don't know. You know, Darkfish. You know, Darkfish is always going to be the number one uh, brewery. Yeah, because they of the unique uniqueness of it. It gives all <laughs> of these good. beer experts something to talk about. You know, because all the experts are journalists and uh, people like writing in, in in apparently other than the interwebs, right? Uh, and uh. it gives them something to talk about. Because it has, you know, like fucking bird shit in it or whatever is in it. Yeah, this week. it's much easier to write about off the wall beer than it is normal beer. Yeah, so right, I think Sam, this, I, this beer has bird shit that I handpicked, <laughs> then ate, and then, then shit it well, out. You, they also raised the birds, don't forget that. Right, yeah. and then I shit it back into the bird's mouth. <laughs> it's right. called quadruple shit filtered. Right. Well, so really, the opposite of that of the you know journalists love it because it has weird ingredients and the Mayans chewed it up and spit yeah. it out or whatever is is like Chuckanut right? Who is are just doing pilsners? Right. It's hard to write about that, yeah. even, even though the, the excellence is there, the interest sort of isn't. Well, of course, the other thing you'll notice is that each one of these uh, has a pretty wide distribution, and so a Chuckanut's not going to make yeah. it no matter how. So, in fact, I would venture to say that some of these writers might have gone, well, the best beer I had this year was from Chuckanut, but they're not, they're not going to hear about Chuckanut, right? It's just a little tiny location, and their distribution isn't wide. So uh, I'm not saying that that's, that's wonderful or anything for how the, the list is made. I'm just saying it's the fact of life, isn't it? You probably have to be a fairly large, largely distributed brewery to make this list. And it, yeah. when Russian River is an example of one that's not. I mean, a lot of people well, know about them. They just don't get to drink the beer. Sure, but they get all the press on planet Earth. Yeah, but it's hard to vote for a beer or a brewery that you don't get to drink. If the you haven't. You know what? I bet you that there are people on this list that voted for Russian River and never even had it. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I'm sure there are. They're like, ah, fuck it. I'll yeah. vote for that one. Yeah. Uh, all right. What else is in the news? Well, now over to uh, Russia. Oh, the, good. Cr- the Kremlin has launched a fierce campaign against alcoholism, saying it is trying to turn oh, around. No, saying it is trying to turn around uh, dismal life expectancy rates for men over there, which is uh, only sixty four years um, and seventy six for females. So there's a huge disparity. And they blame it on alcoholism and Best. all of the global powerhouse brands. You know, your SAB Millers and AB InBev's. They've invested tons of money in brewing facilities and uh, distribution networks over there. They've been betting big on the Russian beer industry, um, but ac- across the board, beer sales have dropped twenty. 
20% by volume in Russia since 2010, and per Pussies. capita construction, consumption dropped 13%. Yeah, but you, but you didn't wait uh, for me to finish, Jay, because vodka consumption is up 8,000%. No, no, no. Other two hammer dudes. Amazing. They do prefer their vodka still, but you know, beer was gaining ground. There was a, a crazy boom in the mid-2000s. It was a, a really under-regulated uh, uh, industry, and, and Russia didn't even classify beer as an alcoholic beverage then. So between 2005 and 2007, sales went up almost 30%. It wasn't uncommon to see Russians walking around with a bottle of beer at you know 10 a.m. like it was a soft drink. Sure. And But now there was a, a crackdown starting in 2009. Um, the uh, it, It's a steady rise in excise duties, right? So all of the prices on the shelves are much higher. Um, and uh, it's, there's been a 10% jump in retail prices and a major decline in sales. So regulations. So in other words, it's not a campaign against alcoholism. It's a ca- it's a campaign against beer. Because if they're if they're regulating brewers out of the market, it's a campaign against beer. Yes. Uh, to be fair, they, they could be doing this with other alcohol. Um, mm. I just think that beer has probably been the hardest hit. I think yeah. excise taxes have gone up across the board, not just for beer. Sure. But, but, but I guess you can probably tax the fuck out of vodka and people are still going to buy it in right. Russia. Yes. You know. Or make their own. Oh, yeah, or make their own. Mm. Yeah, just soak a bunch of potatoes. Isn't it? How do you make vodka in Russia? Uh, in in Russia, you empty the radiator out of your car. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you make vodka. Well, Done. That's exactly what happened. They, the Soviet Union tried it back when it was, you know, Gorbachev in the, the late late uh, 80s, early 90s. Um, they, he enacted similar policies, and it did lead to lower alcohol consumption, but mm. with that came a sharp rise in, you know, moonshining and uh, self-made vodka and, and organized heroin crime use. and uh, other drugs, exactly. Sure. Um, and like uh, I know. Uh, Putin, <laughs> the president there, he, he, he acknowledged that, like, yeah, we know it it's got screwed up in the past, but... Uh, you know, we're going, we're moving forward. <laughs> but that was the past. Yeah. Let's do it again. Well, I say stupid. There. Take that. What else is in the news? Uh, let's see. Well, I got about 50 people that sent this one to me, so I know there's a lot of interest in it. It's a, it's a just add water beer. Uh, I don't know if you guys <laughs> saw this. An Alaskan brewer. Isn't that what beer is? Like, you just add water. <laughs> you know, it's grains. Essentially, and, yeah. The grains and hops, and you fucking add water. Right. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, now we found, we found your problem. <laughs> What else? Go on. The, uh, they're up in Alaska. They they say they've made uh, beer from concentrate that tastes and smells just as good as a premium craft beer, they say. Uh, they're called Pat's Backcountry Beverages. They're in Talkeenta, Alaska, which is way up there. It's like 115 miles north of Anchorage, so hmm. they've had a lot of time to th- you know, sit and think about how they're going to pull this off. <laughs> Basically, you add water to it and you force carb it. It's just a handheld sort of device, mm-hmm. and it's clear when it's done, but it smells and tastes just like... They say a premium craft beer. I have to try it. They say, yeah, for sure. And just add vodka. I'm, <laughs> I'm planning on ordering yeah. some for it sure. Where's this alcohol? Oh, so it's a liquid. Yeah, and it's like a so so they developed the process to brew concentrated instead of beer. So according to the website, they uh, they begin with almost no water and they carefully control the environment of the fermentation. They make a highly concentrated beer with a percentage similar to vodka, but then when you add water and carbonate it, the result is you know the ABV and taste and look. Not look. Tastes identical to a premium craft beer. <laughs> Whatever that means. So Words are getting set. They're having less and less value. <laughs> premium craft beer. Right. Isn't craft beer supposed to equate to premium beer? Well, it's premium premium. It right. So it's the yeah. best of the best. If we go from clear to like blue, we call it four loco. <laughs> yes. This brewery next year better be on the top list of uh, fucking number one craft breweries. Now, let yeah. me let me ask Is you this: that premium? If what if it does taste like one of the best craft beers that you're enjoying right now? I'll drink it all day long. Then it's fine, right? Yeah, of we, course. Do we care how it's really made as long as it tastes like the thing that we enjoy? Better yet, do we really care who makes our beer? Like craft beer wants us to? No. 
Nobody cares. As long as it tastes good, nobody gives a shit. I think Moscow's working on it. Do we have to buy like a whole thing? It's going to be eight thousand dollars. Um, so it goes for like ten bucks for a four pack. You can buy their carbon, their handheld carbonating thing one time. Okay. Uh, I don't think they've priced it yet because I didn't find. We that. can carbonate. We it. can carbonate. Yeah, but we can have our own. Yeah, and it's ten bucks for a four pack. And it's, if we don't like it, we'll just give it to Sammy. And a four pack of how much volume? Uh, hmm. Yeah, good question. A half gallon. I think they're Each? just. I think they're uh, eighteen ounce bottles. And do we know well, how the, many bottles? Uh, do, f- four. Four. four and do we know the ABV of the? Because ten bucks, if I get drunk, I don't care what it tastes like. <laughs> I don't. They don't have the ABV yet. It's going to have two flavors: pale ale and black ale. And since they're saying it's, you know, what does sim- black ale taste like? <laughs> I like that. I love their flavors already. Black ale. And then later we're going to have Asian ale. <laughs> and uh, maybe our, they mean black IPA. <laughs> I don't know. Our new flavor, Russian ale. I think this is the part where they stop asking us for our opinion on things. <laughs> well, they're the stupid ones with the stupid names. Our new, our new flavor, black ale. What, what does that taste oh, like? You know, when I have when I have a black ale with my grandfather, he just reminisces about when he was sitting in Germany drinking a bunch of black ale. <laughs> so, so amazing. It's so weird. It takes you know? him back to the old country. It really does. It really does. I think it's beautiful. Anyway. Is that all we need to know about this stuff? Yeah, yeah. Get it here. We're going to order it, and we'll uh, we'll follow up on this once it's available. I'm sure they're primed to sponsor us now as well. I, I, oh. I feel another Brewcaster Challenge coming. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> That's right. Who can carbonate the best? Well, it's awesome, because we can get it all done in one show. <laughs> we don't have to spread it out for four fucking weeks like we do right I'll now. make it right here. Uh, all right, what else? Anything? Well, yeah, one more. Um, it's about Michigan. Um, what? Well, mm. Sorry, I had a, I had a thought about the other about the beer. Just to jump back to the last story, sure. didn't you say it was clear when yes, it was done? Correct. So then, how is it supposed to be a black ale if it's fucking clear? Because it tastes like black ale, JP. It's oh. a it's a flavor, not a thing. I'm sorry. Just close your eyes. You will ah, be there. I'm so stupid. I'm tired of explaining everything to you. <laughs> I'm really dumb. All right, what else? Explain sorry. clear to him. <laughs> not black. <laughs> Mi- yeah. So Mi- Michigan. <laughs> all his friends are clear. Yeah. Uh, They're all Scientologists. Michigan was home to only three craft breweries uh, 20 years ago, and everyone knows the, the scene has exploded there. There's over 140 now, and Michigan is the fifth largest craft brewery uh, brewing state in the country. Uh, but a lot of brewers there are saying that uh, there's a lot of potential waiting to be untapped if only antiquated state regulations were fixed. Um, so in 2012, craft breweries contributed $133 million, and I don't need to go over how... Um, you know, prosperous they are to local economies. Uh, but the uh, Wholesalers Association, Michigan Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association, they're called the 800-pound gorilla of Lansing. Of They've course. lobbied really heavily. They've donated more than $3 million in political contributions to keep the state's three-tier division among producers, distributors, and retailers firmly in place. Of course they have. They're making a fortune. <laughs> yes. They're the middle tier. That's where the money's been. Uh, yeah, exactly. The system codifies the wholesaler's position as a middleman and approach implemented after uh, the feel of prohibition. It was, you know, they wanted to curb the power of the alcohol producers. Sure. Um, so now there's three uh, bills that they're trying, that they're going to vote on intended to, you know, liberate the industry. They're treading water in committee, so let's uh, let's pray for them. House Bill 4710 would increase the number of brew pub locations permitted per business from two to five. I don't even understand why. Why would there even be a limit of five? I don't know either. There's but no that's what they, you know, there was a word in there about, because by the way, most places have a three tier system, but they have a very rigid and strict three tier system. So I think that's what you're about to describe now is that, for example, only two to five brew pub locations. 
there are examples uh, across the U.S. Of, of brew pubs that have several locations. So, first of all, that's kind of ridiculous. Carry on. What yeah. else? Uh, the next one is uh, 4709 House Bill. That would amend the state's legal definition of a microbrewery from one that produces less than 30,000 barrels a year to one that produces less than 60,000. So, you can double your capacity. Mm-hmm. And that's the federal definition, by the way, 60,000. And the other bill is uh, 4011. That would double the number of on-premise retail sites where a brewery can sell directly for consumption from one to two. So, now you can have two tap rooms uh, on site if you're right. a brewery. On site. Meaning it's still at your brewery? Right. So just like Jamil, right, he's got his uh, tasting room soon to open there at Heretic, and he's selling his beer in a tap room on site at the brewery. Sure. But why would he have two tap rooms on the same site? Oh, well, no, let's say he had more than one brewery, and he wanted a tap room at each one. Ah, Before you were limited to just the one, and now they're upping it to two. Well, that's retarded also. I thought they're trying for two tap rooms in one brewery. That sounds stupid. Mm. So, And I also don't think they can self-distribute at all. Yes, that's correct. The back in that Michigan, that's unlike most other states, including right. every neighboring state. Yeah, they do not allow self-distribution for any brewer. Uh, in the early 90s, the few existing craft breweries then, they, they struck a legislative deal with wholesalers, uh, and they gave up the right to self-distribute in exchange for permission to sell beer by the glass in tasting rooms at the brewery. So that one tasting room you were allowed to have was because brewers back in the day gave up the right to self-distribute. Wow. So that's difficult, too. You know, California has a three-tier system as well, and it's not perfect either, but at least if you're a small brewery and you choose to self-distribute, you can do that, and then there are certain regulations that then require you to go through a distributor to get it out further, but uh, if a Russian River, for example, wants to buy a van, or a heretic wants to buy a van and deliver their beer all over the Bay Area, they're welcome to do so. Why would you regulate that? I'll tell you why. Because of fucking money. From the Uh, middle dude. The middle dude. Oh, wait. So it's all about money? (laughs) Shit. Well, I say good luck to Michigan because everybody can win. There's still plenty of money for everybody. It's just a little greedy right now. But there's plenty of money for the middleman. I'm not even even for canceling the middleman. The middleman helps a ton of breweries in certain instances. So, but open up a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't think anyone Maybe. would argue that every every place a brew pub opens, you know, it's two before and now it's only five, but all five of those places, are, there's going to be a ton of jobs created and a, a big community gathering place. I mean, wh- where where is a brew pub not a benefit to its Well, not a ton of jobs. Population? I right. mean, you know, you're talking 20. Well, Who cares? 20 good jobs. But open a Walmart and that's 400, man. Come on, let's go Walmart <laughs> in every city. I'm more than that. Too. And right. that's allowed. See, with the, the, the craft beer lobby has to increase. And until it does, uh, this is the way it will go. We'll just keep plugging along with little amendments. But these are, these are now, uh, headed to the state legislature. Is that what we're hearing? They're, they're still in committee. So okay. they, uh, they have to just vote on them and then it can hopefully gain some momentum. Okay. So it's still sort of in uh, a limbo. Let's pray for them. That's the news brought to you by Rod All Performance beer companion products that are uh, beautifully made and, uh, uh, the last year forever. Go to rodallperformance.com. Check them out. Beautiful. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Summit Brewing Company's brewmaster, Damo McCann. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. 
More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read Read your way to better homebrew. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeast, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's super yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. 
Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. This is Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. The session. Brewing up our next batch of radio gold. Right now. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for sticking with us. We have a lot to do today, including talking to our next guest, Damien from Summit Brewing Company. Damien, you with us? Uh-oh. Damien, you there, buddy? I hear him. You know, I had this problem with uh, when I was doing Dr. Homebrew. You did? Yeah, I couldn't Skype anybody. Oh, I am not. Hmm. Talk about something for a moment, JP. Well, I had to get rid of my corns on my feet. Fucking not gross. Oh, okay. Um, what do you think about the, what beer are we drinking, Moscow? Oh yeah. Well, we're starting with the uh, the Let's porter. Put it on Moscow. It's called uh, Great Northern Porter. What do you? What do you? I don't have you any idea. It? It's pretty good. Let's just give it a little taste. See what we got here. I really enjoy it. Yeah. He nice sent us some. Thing. He sent us some beer last time. If you remember, uh, Damo was supposed right. to be on in May. And uh, he called in sick. He had his lady email us because he was out of work for a couple of days and was in a, a bad way. <sighs> so I basically stole all the beer he sent us then, which was... <laughs> yeah, uh, I know we've been drinking it. Yeah, it was an IPA and a pale ale. And uh, this time around, I got him to send us some more. And uh, there's a porter in the mix, and that's what's in our glasses now. I like that. I like this porter a lot. Yeah, it's very good, very rich. Not, not real sweet. I love it. Yeah, it's not like... Some, some porters, you can get kind of a creaminess yeah. going on. And, and this is very dry, very uh, very... You know, the the hot bitterness, the very sharp bitterness, it kind of just cuts right through in your residual malt, and uh, it's very good. Can I have some of that, please? <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah. Well, maybe. What are you going to give us? Nothing. No, i got to open a bottle bad. here. Yeah. Here yeah. A glass. I'm uh, expecting... You have a glass? Doc, did you try this Somebody's going to need to bring me a glass. Did you bring a glass? No, I'll go get one. Can you guys hang on? I was me passed too? over. <laughs> you were passed over. You just, you've taken my spot. Or when did you become Jewish? Isn't that a Passover? No. Isn't that a Jewish? No. Passover? Maybe that was not promoted. No, that's too bad. That's too bad. I, I still don't have a beer. Oh, here you go. Yeah, we can, get, <laughs> <laughs> we can drive this beer into you all day long, man. It's all right. No one gets left behind here. No man left behind. 
Don't worry, everybody. I will edit this awfulness out of the podcast. Why? I think it's really good commentary. You guys are the the worst uh, filler men in the world. I'm sorry. I just got put on the spot. Hey, Tasty. Oh, sorry to put you on the spot in live radio. Yeah. That's that's the definition of on the spot. (laughs) I didn't know what was going on. (laughs) We're trying this again. I think I have fixed the problem, but we'll find out in about 18 seconds. In the meantime, you live listeners are the only ones that will get to experience that, that joyfulness. Um, so well, that's too bad because <laughs> I think it really, it, you know, it it let me come through in a way that I don't really do very often. Well, why do we need Phil if you're going to cut it out anyway? Our next guest on the program is Damien from Summit Brewing Company. Damien, are you with us? I am indeed. Oh, thank God! There, there nice. we go. Hey, sorry about that, Damien. I screwed up some settings, and now you're back and you're loud and clear, my friend. Not nah, bother you boys getting into the uh, the good stuff already, huh? Yeah, I guess we've already poured the porter. Uh, some of us are still waiting on some, but uh, rave reviews already. Either that, or they were just looking to fill time, and rave reviews was the easiest way to do it. Yeah, the beer sucks. We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, still fighting over there, lads. <laughs> so, Damien, what I want to do here first is go over a little bit of your history as a brewer, and then, of course, at Summit, too, uh, you know, I'm reminded, actually, that we had Mark, the founder of Summit, on the show not too long. Well, a couple years ago now, I guess. Um, uh, but we're we're so beer-centric, and most of our listeners are homebrewers, that we always like to go back and get the brewmaster if we can. So the first thing I'd like to do is uh, learn a little bit about you. Uh, where are you from originally? I'm uh, originally from uh, Kildare in the Irish Midlands, and... Uh I studied brewing science uh, up in Edinburgh and Scotland for about four years before graduating and going off to work for Arthur Guinness in uh, in London for a couple of years, and then came across stateside about thirteen or fourteen years ago and uh, worked for a small brew pub as head brewer, and then moved over to Summit about ten years ago. Got it. Uh, they've been unfortunate enough to be stuck with me ever since, and uh, <laughs> right. they've uh, moved, moved me up to the head brewer's chair about a year and a half ago, and uh, that's where I'm hanging out these days for the most part. Now, am I being too stereotypical if I ask, that? Did, did uh, do all of your friends, when, when you left your, your spot in Ireland and, and went straight to brewing school, did they all think you, you went for the dream job, or was this a very common thing to do anyway? No, no, no. All those stereotypes are well ruined in history, lads. So, good, uh, good. <laughs> especially in the old country. No, it was uh, it was a nice combination of, of science and uh, engineering and a wee bit of tradition and uh, a fair, uh, fairly strong drinking culture, I suppose. So you combine sure. it all together, you end up with a nice career. Do you have any family members that were also into the brewing trades back there? No, not at all. I, I grew up in a, a small town that... Uh, had a brewery and distillery for about 150 years, but no immediate family members were involved. But uh, the local area is, is renowned for growing a good quality malting barley. And I suppose, uh, you know, uh, as, a, as a, a youngster back in the old country, you always think of, well, how are you going to get a, a pretty solid job going forward? And as a career, that really uh, kind of appealed to me. You know, Irish people have suffered from uh, unemployment for a long time, so you've got to be able to earn a living somehow. Sure. And so, as a younger student, were you into the sciences in general, or did you not get into science until brewing? No, I, I was uh, quite heavily interested in chemistry, biochem, and, and uh, microbiology. So, I saw a career um, somewhere down the road that would kind of utilize those subjects, I suppose. But uh, um, my older brother, who studied in the UK, he came across this, this brewing and distilling course up in Edinburgh, and he thought it would be a good fit. 
there were subjects I was already interested in, and uh, it's a you know it's a it's a, a practical uh, course. It really utilizes those subjects in a practical way, and uh, you're pretty much guaranteed full employment from the course. It's highly specialized and uh, allowed me to move forward, I suppose. And you went straight to Guinness from after that course, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I worked for the brewery in Park Royal, which is kind of an odd setup because uh, you know that's. The, the London Brewery, um, unfortunately, it's no longer in existence. But mm. as an Irishman in London, I was regarded as a traitor by just about everyone. I couldn't, <laughs> go, ba- I couldn't go back to Dublin because I'd left for the, the British lads. And the British lads didn't really appreciate me because I was a paddy. So I was kind of wow. between two stools. Will the Irish ever get a fair shake? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you came over here, helped with the railroads. We didn't like you. you now the English don't like you. What's going on? Yeah, they're screwed. Uh, that's why we drink so much, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I would think that they would be fairly forgiving once they, uh, you're like, yeah, I'm living in Britain, but I'm working for Guinness. Like, oh, all right. <laughs> right. Over uh, time, but all that free beer, it helps, I suppose. <laughs> sure. Uh, Damien, just so you know, there's a whole studio full of hosts in here, uh, so you'll hear uh, many voices. It's, you're not going crazy. No, no bother. I am going crazy, but that's no problem. Okay, good. Now, let me ask you this, because we've talked to a lot of brewers who have had uh, formal brewing education in the U.S., but to be honest, not too many uh, from the U.K. So, uh, have you noticed any difference, or do you think there's a particular slant in your brewing that was given to you by studying in Edinburgh? They, they take a very classical approach to brewing uh, in the British Isles. You kind of mirrors the system in Germany, although um, with the Germans, they're more probably based around classical lager brewing. Sure. Um, you know, the, the Brits are heavily uh, focused on ale brewing, and, and of course, there was also a distilling program in addition to the brewing science. Um, in terms of, you know, raw materials, ingredients, uh, traditions, a wee bit different over there. Um, they've been brewing quality ale for a long time now and still have a very strong uh, regional and also a, a growing microbrewery element. Um, well, here in the U.S., we, we've only really seen that, that emergence of, of craft brewing and craft ale production in the last 30 years or so. So there's a difference in a, in a historical uh, basis and also, um, you know, with regard to balance and drinkability, I think, uh, you know, they, they still very much champion that approach when it comes to brewing, lower gravity brewing, um, session ales, all the rest of it, which I think we're coming around to now here in the States, but... Uh, Right. Um, well, well, you might, you know, maybe you'd spend more time focusing on, on the use of ingredients and recipes over here in the states. You might spend more time in the UK looking at, you know, the process, um, consistency, quality analysis, all the rest of it. So maybe a slightly different approach, but uh, I think I think both approaches are very valid. I think the interesting part of the, about that in having done a lot of interviews with brewers is that even the brewers over here that might focus on uh, some of the, the ingredients and the recipes and things like that, it, the longer they're in the brewing industry, the, the further they move into the analysis and the techniques and the becoming more scientific about it. Yeah, I think in order to be successful and grow, you have to take that approach, you know, quality, consistency, um, those are some of the the, the key um, words that we bat around somewhat, and I think a lot of the certainly the more successful and long-standing craft brewers, uh, the likes of Sierra and New Belgium. I mean, uh, they've really taken a very strong quality-focused approach to the business, sure. and the smaller lads are getting that too. You know, um, it, it's great to be able to sit around and enjoy a couple of pints, but uh, this is our livelihood. This is an industry, and and you have to pay the bills and and. People are paying hard-earned cash across the bar for your pint. You better be able to produce a bloody good pint at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So you 
you left Guinness, and I guess my question w- would be why? Did it get a little boring for you brewing the one beer, or what was your experience there? Uh, certainly, um, Guinness was a great place to kind of learn my craft, uh, put a lot of practical emphasis on on the four years of study that I already completed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of being able to, to you know, really go in the next morning and change the recipe of Guinness Extra Stout, that was never going to be an option, I suppose. But, <laughs> right, uh, yeah. So you've got a limited influence on, on the overall system. Um, and even someone with a, with a brewing degree and a strong education um, who was placed in the kind of uh, um, a technical brewer role, you're still essentially a fairly small cog in a relatively large machine. Um, and your ability to kind of uh, interact and... Uh, affect the day-to-day or op- operations of the, the company is fairly minimal. And then, then at the time I was there, you know, Diageo was being created, Grand Metropolitan. Um, these are the hooligans who owned um, the likes of uh, uh, Moy Chandon and uh, Burger King and all those, you know, famous brewing giants like Dunkin' Donut. They, <laughs> right. uh, they, uh, they were getting involved with the whole brewing side of it, mainly because they wanted United Distillers, which is owned by Guinness. Um, so when I saw these blokes with, you know, MBAs wandering around the brew house telling fellas who had been there for 30 years how to make Guinness Stout, kind of changed the atmosphere in the company. And uh, as I'd wanted to, to go to the States and, and sort of broaden my horizons a wee bit and, and experience the U.S. craft scene, it was time to uh, sling the hook, as the saying goes, and uh, head over to see Uncle Sam. Did you get a job before you left uh, uh, Guinness, or did you come over here and just wing it? No, I, I, I was accrued to come over here. I, I, before I left the university, I contacted my old professor, and I said, hey, if Ann came up in the States, give me a call. You know how to get hold of me. And uh, uh, he, he did indeed. He was a man of his word. He got hold of me a, a, a couple of years later and said, hey, there's this bloke from, from Minnesota who has a... Um, a British-style brew pub. He wants a, a UK-trained uh, brewer who's who's uh, fairly um, fairly well versed in UK brewing styles. And uh, he paid for my uh, my uh, immigration needs. He paid for the transportation, the whole lot, and brought me over here. And that was about you know, 13, 14 years ago. And your first thought is great, fucking Minnesota. I meant oh, California yeah. when I said something in the U.S. <laughs> Well, at least at least Boston or Chicago, <laughs> right? Yeah. Pretty much anywhere but Minnesota. Yeah, he's oh, Mary and Joseph. I got off the plane in the middle of January, and it was minus twenty five outside. I should have got right back on the bloody plane. <laughs> yeah, uh, was it just you at that time, or, or were you married? Did you have kids? Anything? No, it was just me. I, I unlike most Irish people, I didn't know anyone in the states before okay. I came over. Uh, <laughs> so I just knew the bloke that had recruited me, and. Uh, I remember driving down to Minnetonka, which is a suburb of, the, of Minneapolis-St. Paul, and thinking, what the hell have I done to myself here? Right. It's, it's like Siberia, but not as interesting, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, without the, without the legend. That's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> so, so how was your, was your first uh, U.S. brewery experience then? Was it kind of, uh, I, clearly it would have been different, but did you find uh, yourself uh, a little more uh, creative and able to do more beer stuff? Ah, it was it was nice because it was funny. I, the place that I started working for, they were actually fairly um, conservative in their approach, which uh, for a you know, U.S. craft brewer or brew pub nowadays would be pretty much unheard of. But I was able to bring in some new ideas and some some uh, bring some new brands online, and they actually gave me a lot of free reign to uh, to come up with some new stuff. So, in terms of being 
allowed to be more creative, it was actually a, a, quite a good opportunity. Uh, and then, it, you know, it, with brew pubs, it's kind of nice because you can inter- interact with the, with, the, with the public on a regular basis. You're also in the production side of things. And as a head brewer, you're also kind of in the management part of the business. So you get to see a lot of different aspects of the U.S. craft scene just in a small enterprise like that. Got it. She didn't come in and say, so listen, I've got this great idea for an extra stout, for a, uh, for a foreign extra stout. You're going to love it. <laughs> I did tighten up a few recipes here and there, all right, and then we played around with a few other ones. But I tried not to come in with the heavy hand of Diageo behind me. That's what, like, <laughs> right. what about nitrogen? <laughs> yeah, sure. Mixed gas was banned from the brew pub. That's all it is. <laughs> All right, so now you've been with, with Summit since, what, 2003 or so? Exactly, yep, yep, Swahan. Okay, and I have in my notes here a little bit about this, and I'm just curious because of your background, too, that uh, that I I told you we interviewed Mark, that, that maybe Mark wasn't as open to all of your early ideas as he is as he is now. He's kind of let you do, he lets you do your thing now, huh? <laughs> well, he is a good North Dakota lad, so I don't know how open they are in general up in that part of the world. But uh, Well, I do know that they're the only ones with a worse accent than yours. <laughs> That's all I know. Yeah, sure, you betcha, right? <laughs> exactly. Mark uh, is a very strong supporter of uh, classical brewing and okay. uh, overall of a quality approach to the business. And um, you know, He started as a homebrew himself back in the 80s. When there weren't, you know, quite so many around back then, um, he was one of the earlier blokes who, you know, took the risk of trying to get into this business as a professional. You know, and uh, back then it was a different story. There weren't nearly as many as, as uh, breweries as there are today. And of course, the the the, uh, the uh, I wouldn't say notoriety, but the um, the fame of craft brewing wasn't what it is today. Uh, it was a very different culture back then. But I think over time, um, as you have to do, you have to evolve, you have to change a wee bit and react to a changing marketplace. And he's certainly been more open in the last couple of years to uh, to playing around with some some new brands. We've brought in a couple of, uh, of new beers that have been very successful. So to give him his credit, as much as I love to make fun of him from being up there in the wilds of North Dakota, he's actually been right. fairly open in the last couple of years to some new ideas. Well, I think I remember him being a lot of fun on the show, so he's a good guy, and he sent us in some good beer. In fact, I think all the beers we've ever had from Summit, and we don't really get them here out west, but we've done some sure. events out there, uh, have really been fantastic beer. And I'll tell you what, this uh, great northern porter that you sent is no exception. This is You guys were right. This is a really good beer. Yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice pint. Yeah, we use um, a blend of of UK. Uh, I think it's so it's got uh, black patent in there, a wee bit of chocolate malt. It's got some US crystal from Brees in Wisconsin, and then the pale malt, of course, comes from down the road in uh, in southern Minnesota, Shakopee. The big rare malting plant is down there, and then we use some okay. nice UK hops. So it's a it's a nice beer. It, it uh, I think it won a GABF medal back in 1987 or something like that, but <laughs> right. uh, all those years ago. But uh, uh, and we use an old an old yeast strain from uh, Whitbreads in the UK, which is actually um, unique to Summit. Um, it's registered just to us nowadays because it's it's changed a wee bit since uh, since we brought it over 27 years ago, whatever it was. Okay, but uh, it's it's a nice pint. It's, it's it's as you can imagine, it's extremely popular up in northern Minnesota, where you know so, you know winter lasts till. Uh, Till July and then starts up again in August. So uh, <laughs> uh, they like their heartier beers up north, I suppose. You know, it's got some great uh, chocolate characters to it. It's yeah. not too sweet at all. 
Uh, it's rich, I would call it that, but I but it uh, it dries out pretty nicely. It's five point six percent. It I have in my notes here, which I think is a nice kind of right in the middle there alcohol content. Absolutely, uh, for a, a porter. See, that's what I'm saying. And you thought uh, I was just stalling? No, no, well, <laughs> I was accurate. You were actually saying yeah. a nice little solid bitterness going on. It's good. Yeah, I really enjoy it. What are those UK hops you mentioned are in here? Uh, it's got a wee bit of uh, Target in there. It's got some. Uh, East Kent Goldings, the ubiquitous UK hop, and uh, uh, we were using Northdown for a long time, but we've kind of struggled to get that hop in any great quantity lately. So we've been playing around with Northern Brewer, which is the uh, the grandfather of Northdown. They're similar hops in many ways. So okay, um, so we try to get a kind of a kind of a resiny, um, kind of a spicy note from the hop character. Certainly have enough bitterness in there, so the beer's not too sweet. But but not overpower those those malls, which are you know, pretty integral to the overall flavor of the beer. Sure, it's nice. It also held up really well. I don't know if you uh, snuck a couple bottles off of the bottling line when you sent them, but these taste really fresh. Yeah, it should be should be fairly fresh. We produce it fairly regularly. Uh, we do an oatmeal stout with the same yeast strain, mm-hmm. a similar type of beer, and then we, we produce a couple of other beers with that yeast strain. So we kind of rotate through the brands to try and keep that yeast in good shape. Um, so this but, isn't, uh, you wouldn't call this your house yeast strain, just something you use on occasion? Exactly, yeah. We tend to run between four and six strains at any one time. Uh, the strain we use the most is used for the extra pale ale and, and most of the hoppier beers. Uh, and the number two ale strain would be the one used for porter and stout. And then we start moving into the lager strains and the seasonal strains that we use. What temperature do you ferment this beer at? That's a fairly traditional UK fermentation, so it probably free rises from about 66 up to about 71. Then we hold it there for about three days, maybe four, depending on how things are going, and then we back it off a wee bit and start moving towards uh, um, kind of a, a warm maturation phase before dropping it down all the way for stability. Got it. So how long's the the turnaround for this beer from from the day you brew it to the 20, day? Twenty one days. So we actually moved through it fairly quickly, considering the style. Um, we want to try and get the beer into the trade where it's still got a fair amount of of assertive flavor, um, and maybe allow it to condition a wee bit in the bottle. We don't filter that beer, so it usually has a wee bit of yeast going into the bottle or the keg, and it should mature just a tad more in the trade itself. Oh, that's interesting. That you actually kind of uh, account for that and plan for a little bit of the yeast doing some work in the bottle. Yeah, it's it's it's, imp- it's important for a couple of our, our beers. Um, really helps when it comes to managing oxidation in the final product. Of course, having that viable yeast in there, and also with maturation overall. How big is your brew system there at Summit? We uh, we do a uh, hundred and seventy U.S. barrels, so that's about two hundred hectoliters. Okay. Typically brew about four to five times a day, about five days a week. Wow. So you guys have grown quite a bit over the years. Aye, aye. We, we grow at about 10 to 12% a year, which is a nice manageable number. Um, we just added fermentation capacity that will take us up to a quarter of a million barrels. So we're, we're all set here for quite some time to come. We should do about 125,000 barrels this year, which is a nice size. It's a good size brewery. Okay. What, what's driving the growth? I mean, is it mostly the IPA? I, I just wonder how the, uh, the cold weather affects what sells, you know, if it does at all. I think Minnesota is in the middle of a hop craze, to be honest with you, lads. It's, uh, it's slowly seeped in from the coast, and uh, it seems to be in full effect right now. So a lot of our growth is based around SAG IPA, which is a kind of a West Coast New Zealand-style beer. 
Um, we're also seeing some nice growth with our classical lagers. Uh, obviously, you, you lads know yourself, you need fermentation capacity and, and lagering capacity to produce lager in any great quantity and actually put the time in that the style needs. So we've grown our Oktoberfest and Maybach quite well over the last couple of years, and our Pilsner is doing nicely in the trade too. So I suppose a combination of the, the trendy IPA, but also we're pushing that classical brewing idea as well. We're trying to trying to accommodate as many folks here as possible. I see your Pilsner also won at the GABF just last year. It did. I picked up a silver medal, which is which is nice. We've been really working on that beer. I've been trying to you know, get it squared away for the last couple of years. We've played around with the malt profile. We do a, a traditional decoction mash. Um, we do an endosperm mash where we hold onto the husks just before mashing off into the lower ton. We're one of the few breweries in the U.S. that still does that. There's another nice little brewery out out your part of the country that does that too they make an excellent pills um but not many breweries will take the time to do that it, it, sure. it takes too bloody long to be honest but uh, uh we do a minimum of five weeks maturation on the beer and cold fermentation and it seems to be paying off i think the beer is 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 really drinkable these days it's very clean i love a good pilsner I still do. Oh, always. And uh, sometimes I, I hanging around my craft beer friends, uh, they can't understand why I'm ordering the the Pilsner. Dude, there's a fucking quad <laughs> IPA on tap. Why aren't you getting pictures of that? Because I'm not an asshole. That's why. <laughs> there's no, there's nowhere to hide in the pills, lads. If you make right. a box of it, it's going to show up fairly quickly. So, so that kind of brings me back to you mentioning that uh, this, this kind of hop craze going on in Minnesota. Is that exciting for you as a brewer, or a pain in the ass? <laughs> It's a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, it's it's good for us to kind of broaden our portfolio and, and uh, to come up with these interesting, hoppy beers. I've tried to put a different touch on it by bringing in some of the Kiwi stuff just to, you know, break the monotony of Chinook, Centennial, Cascade, and all the rest of them. Right. Um, you know, there, there's 101 IPAs out there right now, and uh, well, there's probably 1,001 or 10,001, who knows. So to try and do something a little bit different, we've tried to put our own spin on it. Sure. Um, but, you know, you talk to a lot of brewers, and they'll say, well, you know, brewing IPA is great, we love hoppier beers, but in terms of an actual challenge, maybe they'd rather brew a mild or a, or a pills or a, you know, a bespit or something like that. So it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You like to brew beer that people really enjoy, people really appreciate but there are times when you like it more of a technical challenge too so right you do you know, make up a good, a good point though that it's kind of uh, it's fun creatively to brew ipas you know we'll do our fair share especially jp uh making fun of ipas and why everybody brews so many of them most right. of us also enjoy ipas on the show but that's a side we don't talk about even as a home brewer it's just kind of fun to throw a bunch of hops in a beer and get creative with the hop part. It's not as technically challenged as Demo's saying, but yeah. it's just fun. <laughs> you just throw a bunch yeah. of hops in there and yeah, see I mean, what happens. Definitely, there, there is, a, there is a, a lot of scope for creativity there. You know, you can, right. you can put your own spin on it. Um, you can really combine some interesting hop flavors and profiles and blend them all together to come up with, you know, a, a cracking beer. Sure. So in, in some ways, it does allow for a lot of creativity. Uh, in other ways... You're like, well, it, you know, maybe the technical challenge isn't there in some ways. But, uh, I mean, I, I my palate has definitely changed since I came to the States. I mean, it, 13 years ago, a 70 BU beer would have would have crushed <laughs> me over the head like a sledgehammer, you know. But nowadays, right. it's it's, uh, it's no big deal. You go and go down the pub and have a couple of pints with lads. It's it's, uh, it's amazing how your, your palate, your taste has changed and evolved. And I, I just got back from the U.K., 
I was at the GBBF in London, and uh, there's so many bloody beers over there that are utilizing American hops. And, really? Uh, they're looking for different flavors, different aromas. They might not be using them to the same degree as we are here in the States in terms of of the assertive hop and profile of the beer. But uh, they're looking for, for something different. And traditional brewers like Adams and Fuller's, which I, I toured both their breweries last week, they've got more citron centennial than I have. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bloody amazing, you know? It is. You know, I so for one, I've always wanted to go to the, the great... British Beer Festival. Of course, the, sure. the Great American Beer Festival is just a takeoff of that. Yep. Uh, you know, Charlie was told, hey, you should do this too. Uh, we we can do it, <laughs> you know. Uh, and it's been a, a big success for us. But I've wanted to go to the Great Brit- British Beer Festival. I think I would enjoy it more nowadays with the experimentation that you're talking about than maybe I would have hmm. uh, years ago. Interesting. But my experience also was the same demo. I got to go to Fuller's uh, just a couple years ago and was astonished at the amount of uh, American and hops that they had, and uh, I'm sure they, they let you as well kind of taste uh, uh, some of their experiments they're doing that I never would have expected to come out of a brewery like Fuller's. Yeah, they, they have a, a beer called uh, Wild River Pale Ale, which is a, a U.S. pale ale. It's got fairly assertive Chinook and Cascade character. It's very nice. It's actually quite balanced. Um, it's still that Fuller's approach where you have to make something fairly drinkable, you know, keep the booze under control. and Right. And, uh, but that's all right. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it was a, it's a lovely pint. You know, it's four four point seven percent. It's probably fifty BUs. It's it's a which for them is quite a bit, I suppose, for a low sure. gravity beer. But but a nice beer. They just launched a new um, a new uh, uh, pilsner called Frontier, which is uh, classical lager profile, but then uses um, I think four U.S. hops. Uses a lot of Liberty in it. And again, a wee bit of Chinook. It's very well done. You know, you put Chinook in a lager and you think it's going to be a, a pine bomb. But uh, they right. did a really nice job with it. I was very impressed. Yeah, so one of our hosts here, Tasty, uh, is experimenting with some hoppy session beers like that. And you know what, Tasty, I'll tell you what, uh, Fuller's might be a, an, an unknown ally of yours. Who would have thought that a brewery like Fuller's might be a place you'd be looking for some research, you know? <laughs> well, I, I, session beers, I think what Damo was mentioned earlier, are pretty more, much more common over... Uh, in Europe, I mean, just you're used to you know spending the whole afternoon drinking beer. Yeah, you're not going to do that drinking you know six percent beer. So it's a lot of the things that I'm you know looked into in terms of making session beers are just using British techniques, but with hoppy with American hops. With American hops. Yeah, right. yeah. So yeah, it's it's you know I talked to Derek Prentice, who's the, the head brewer at uh, Fuller's. I was talking about this. He comes over to the states regularly, and uh, that was his whole point. And he sees the U.S. craft brewing scene as moving maybe more in that direction overall, where you're maximizing flavor, you're, uh, um, but you're you're trying to back off a wee bit on the OG and and allow yourself to go down the pub with the lads, have four or five pints, and remain reasonably coherent. You know, maybe <laughs> right. Quite the bollocks you might be talking. <laughs> Until the very end of the session, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I think this is something that we all need to talk about and think about a bit more. If we're going to grow the craft market overall in the U.S., how do we do that? Do we do it with 6.5% IPAs? No. Do we do it 4.5% beers? Yes. How, how, do we, how do we broaden the profile? We can only take it so far with the brands we have. If we look at how the market has grown in the last 100 years, it's been based around beers that were between 45 and 5.5%. So... How do we how do we figure it all out going forward? It's an interesting challenge. It's, I mean, it's it's a great time to be brewing in the U.S. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's do this. I got to take a quick break, Demo. Uh, when we come back, uh, we got another one of your beers in our glass, so I want to talk about that, and I want to talk more about session beer too, if that's all right with you. 
Absolutely. Brilliant. Beautiful. We're talking to Damo from Summit Brewing Company. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll talk more. 888-401-BEER or hit the chat button and ask your questions that way. We'll be right back. It's the session. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Have you ever dreamed about attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Danstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2014 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition in the 2014 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4,000. From now until December 13, 2013, every Danstar yeast packet you use is your ticket to enter. Visit danstaryeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter. So get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2014 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at danstaryeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and enter to win. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin Homebrew homebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have mini clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit austinhomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, austinhomebrew.com. I-10, huh? Getting tired of that same old handcrafted beverages day after day? Are you looking for something with more diversity than your normal beer? Fellow BN Army member Michael Fairbrother, owner of Moonlight Meadery, is reviving an entire beverage category. Mead! The meads at Moonlight Meadery are all handcrafted from the finest honey on the market and are perfect for any occasion, like weddings, baby showers, or... Excuse me? Mead is not your average girly drink, mister, and Moonlight Meads can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere. Football games with the guys. Yeah. Barbecues with the guys. Yeah. Operating power tools with the guys. Yeah. Um, actually, sir, that's really dangerous. Good point, son. Next time you have something to celebrate or are just looking for a new tasting experience, pick up a bottle of mead from Moonlight Meadery. Now in 21 states, making over 60 varieties of mead from dry, semi-sweet to sweet. Break out of that craft beer low. Grab a bottle of Moonlight Mead. Can't find some? Then ask. No, make that demand some. Yeah! Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishow, and I want to tell you about my favorite heretic beer, Shallow Grave Porter. I love the rich, malty character of this beer. 
While full and rich, Shallow Grave has an easy drinking finish that isn't too sweet. I've always loved my homebrew porter recipe, so when it's time to brew Heretic Shallow Grave, I started with that in mind. But I tweaked it with all my latest recipe ideas. Just like in homebrewing, I made sure we used only the finest malts, malts that would produce the ideal flavor for this beer. We used select British malts to get the rich chocolate and caramel flavors, and we spared no expense. The result is a beer as dark as a moonless night, with hints of vanilla, coffee, and chocolate, perfect for a cool evening out in the woods. Cheers. Dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, right-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling with Without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog tags stay on in water or an ice chest and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Ah, oh, it's that pseudo Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. What's funny is, brewers just say, yeah, I don't brew to style. I'm brewing my own beer. And it's like a German Pilsner, but it's black. Yeah, it's a sports beer. beer. <laughs> you know? The, the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're talking to Damien Damo McCann. He's the brewmaster over at Summit Brewing Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. If you want to ask your own questions, you can dial in 888-401-BEER or just hit the chat button right on the homepage and you can get to us that way. We're tasting some of his beer right now, so uh, it's about to get fun. We talk about the beer and have a good time. I want to learn more about the brewery, too. Uh, <laughs> it's about to get fun. <laughs> Moscow, what uh, beer are we tasting right now? This is another IPA. It's from their uh, their Unchained series. This is batch 13, so this is a one-off. It's called another IPA, or yes. are you saying that for JP's sake, we're having another IPA? I think they named it that for people <laughs> like JP. Yeah, but for, that, that is the name. I like Highly it. classy people. <laughs> we're tired IPAs. Damo, what can you tell us about another IPA? Well, yeah, the, the the brewer that came up with this is generally renowned as a bit of a smart arse, so I suppose yeah. it's appropriate that he, he named it. So, um, it, it, based around uh, 100% Golden Promise from the UK and uh, also 100% Target Hops. So he took a different approach, you know, rather than, than going down the, uh, the US IPA route, he decided to take a classical UK approach. Um, jacked up the BUs, so I think it's 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 well into the seventies when it comes to bitterness. But it's not that high in alcohol; it's probably only about five and a half percent. The the nice thing about that Golden Promise, it was 
killed especially first by uh, Simpsons Malty and Berwick they killed it to a, a, a really uh, high colour so um, but uh, being being the brewer that he is Mike decided to also use uh, um, some malt from a, a different malting company down in Yorkshire and then put out two different batches called it the exact same thing and that people kind of figure out which one they liked and <laughs> nice so yeah it's kind of an, a nice kind of a twist on uh, on a UK IPA so let me make, you, make sure I heard it right uh, one malt one hops that's it it's exactly it yeah and then, a, then a UK yeast strain and then he burtonizes the hell out of the, uh, the mash liquor and uh, went from there I'll tell you what it's got a lot of unique and interesting flavors tasty to be a one malt one hop beer don't you think got a lot of character uh it's an interesting malt i think it's what's carrying the beer yeah that's what carries all single hop beers is the malt uh, how, how dark is it lads is it looking fairly is it well it's it's pretty light it's which strong. as soon as you said they they had it uh uh you know that you had it kiln to a darker color i thought well shit he's either wrong or we got the wrong beer <laughs> yeah you've got you've got the one from uh thomas fawcett's down in yorkshire that's that's the second batch which was a really pale version of Golden Promise. The first one looked more like an amber ale. It was pretty interesting. I'll tell you what, I, hmm. what a great side-by-side that would be, where it's pretty much the same beer, just two malts kilned at different levels, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really showcases Golden Promise. Right. Thanks for sending us both versions, Chip Walton. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the chipper. It was the chip that only sent us one? Yeah. What a jerk. Last time we Yo, promote bro. his show. Yo, guys, check this out right here. I got two things for your tasty face. <laughs> Damo's like, oh, you know Chip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think everyone knows Chip. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, this is a beer that'll make me a fan of Golden Promise. It's a it's a really nice beer. I oh, like it. That malt is amazing. Yeah. I really like it. And what's the hop in this, Damo? I, I missed that. I was not paying attention. 100%, 100% target. Target, yeah, okay. All target. Dry, dry hop with target, too. And like dry it. hopped as well. Okay. Wow. I think I like that hop as well. The Brits really like that. We brought that over to a, um, um, a beer dinner at... Uh, at a nice uh, uh, restaurant in in, uh, in London there this past week, and it was about twenty five head brewers from across the UK at the event, and uh, they were pretty impressed. They actually liked it. Yeah. Uh, I think they liked it more because it was more of a smart arse approach to the the, the name and whatnot. But, uh, <laughs> right but, now, uh, yeah, they they actually they uh, you know they they they, uh, they were pretty impressed with. It. In your trip to the UK recently, did you go to Simpsons? I went to their um, roasting plant um, in uh, Norfolk. They have two maltings in the UK. They have the, the big mothership up in Berwick-on-Tweed, which is on the border between Scotland and England. They do about 290,000 ton up there. And then their smaller facility down in Norfolk at um, Tibbetts Hall, St. Margaret's, does about 50,000 ton. That's where all of their roasted uh, malts come from. So if you're using any of their crystals, their chocolate, black pattern, roast barley, stuff like that. It all comes out of uh, Norfolk. And uh, they do a, a really nice job. I'm off to Breeze Malting in Wisconsin tomorrow where we also get a lot of our caramel malts from. So oh, I'm going to yeah. do a direct comparison within the space of about five days of two of the major roast uh, caramel crystal malt producers here in the world. So Beautiful. Now, yeah, yeah, with, with Simpsons, are both of their, even their larger facilities, are they both traditional floor malting uh, facilities no unfortunately not they uh they have pneumatic um fairly modern malt houses in both of their facilities they use drum roasters down in um, norfolk for the uh, the crystal and, and uh, uh black or, or chocolate products they moved away from floor malt and 
quite a while ago. You know, there's only a, unfortunately, there's only a few malting companies left in the UK that, that have the traditional floor maltings. Crisp has one. Okay. War, Warminster has another one. There's, a, there's a, an outfit called Tucker's down in Wiltshire. I went to Tucker's. Yeah, in the southwest. Yeah, they still have one. At least they had a couple of years ago. Anyway, so. yeah, well, same for me. I guess I can't vouch for it now. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 the Glen Eagles malting's up in, up in uh, Scotland owned by... Uh, it's owned by Chris. They, I think they still have a, a, a traditional floor malting. Uh, I've used uh, some of the crisp products um, that were floor malted. Very, very different flavor um, than a traditional, well, traditional, the traditionally new. modern pneumatic maltings. <laughs> um, very, very interesting. In- inconsistent as, as all hell to bait the band. They're, they're malts all over the bloody place. But really unique flavor. Um, it takes a lot longer. It's twice the time to malt and finish um, those right. kind of floor malts. But if you want something a little different, uh, definitely worth checking out. But Demo, what are the differences? Um, my, my experience with the Glen Eagle has been that it's more dexterous, has more body in a base malt. Yeah, they, they, they tend to go what's known as, as, uh, as cold and slow. So if you take a U.S. malster, he'll probably um, take about four days to, to run the germination at about... Um, maybe 75 degrees F. A uh, floor maltings in the UK might take eight days at about 62 degrees, and you end up leaving um, a little bit more um, body in, in your final beer. Uh, the enzyme content is usually a lot lower, um, so you don't tend to have as much beta amylase to work with, lower protein levels overall, and uh, yeah, I, I, I found, in, and certainly when I've brewed with these beers, that they've, they've really provided a better backbone. So if you're doing a single malt beer or something that needs to stand up well to a, a high hop load or, or a lot of black malt or something like that, they can be a really good option. And a session beer would be something that you might use that in to, to give it more malt character and more body, more exactly, body to hop against. Exactly, yeah. Talking to some of the UK lads, I think that's, to me, that's that's you know, the basis of their lower alcohol, lower gravity beers. They're using such high quality pale malt that they can actually control the qualities of those pale malts really well in, in the mash ton. The problem we have when we're working with US Turo is that there's so much bloody enzyme in there that we can't really control the overall profiles um, of the wort. So we either have to try and knock it out with heat so you mash it hotter or you have to dilute it down um, by adding more low color caramels or something like that. With, with British um, pale malt, and especially when it's when it's floor malted, you're working with lower protein levels, lower enzyme levels. You've got actually a lot more control in the mash tun. So if you want to dry it out, you can do that by mashing it cooler. If you're making a, a scotch ale or something like that, and you want to leave higher residuals, then you can mash it warmer. And it actually means something when you're working with, with UK Turo. That's, that's my biggest challenge with US Turo, is that trying to leave a bit more body in the beer can be a bloody nightmare because... You know, the, the, the DPs on the mall could be 140, 150. They're so high nowadays that you can you can find U.S. Turo being used by the likes of, of ABI and Miller uh, with, their, with their adjunct beers because there's so much enzyme coming through. Hmm. Damo, is that, is that kind of what we call fully mod- modified malts now when we say you don't have to do multi-step mashes anymore because they're fully modified? Yeah, it... it, it it uh, in terms of modification, you're, you're you're basically looking at protein modification, the, the the breakdown of proteins in the in the overall corn. Okay. Um, certainly, years ago with with 
slightly unmodified malt, you'd have to do a kind of more of a complicated process of mashing. That's why the Germans came up with their rather ludicrous triple decoctions and all the rest of it. I and mean, it's, right. it's because they had, they had, they had shite malt, to be honest. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's one of the advantages of British malt is because it's so well modified. Um, the maltster has done a lot of the work for us. We can we can basically uh, control a little bit better and not worry about um, these complicated mashing regimens. Nowadays, what we're seeing with U.S. Turo is that we're we're often seeing over modified malt. Um, it's converting in twenty minutes. Um, there's too much enzyme. We can't control the properties as much as we'd like, and uh, a lot of that is based around the demands and and requirements of the larger brewers. And for a long time, lads, let's be honest, the the malt industry, the hop industry in the U.S. has been dominated by the needs of the larger brewer. And it's only in the last twenty years where that started to change. I like that you that you're bringing this up because a lot of times when we talk about fully modified on here and and brewers bring that in, it, we're usually talking about versus decoction mashing or multiple step mashing. It's often brought up as a positive, but you're bringing up at least one negative, which would be that you have a little bit less control as a brewer because uh, there's just so many enzymes in there. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a, it's a recurring issue for for ale brewers and and you know the the larger. Regionals in this country won't probably say a whole lot about it, but uh, it's, it's it's a challenge. It really is. If you're if you're trying to have um, a higher residual gravity in your beer, if you're trying to control um, the enzymic process in the mash, having a, a huge amount of of beta amylase and alpha amylase in there doesn't help um, because you you try and control one factor and you throw out something else. <laughs> so we're we're getting to the point where we've got over modified malts where we've got. Um, malts that are so high in enzyme that they're throwing off the overall um, finished profile of the beer and that's that's you know right it's a challenge it's it's, it's tough um, it's tough on on consistency it's also tough on stability um, there's too much protein in the final beer uh, and that's why you know if if if, if you're a home brewer um, I think working with 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 nicely modified UK two row, not overly modified, but you know reasonably well modified UK two row, gives you a little bit more control of your final beer. Hmm. You know, I think a, a point about this too is as as brewers, uh, sorry, uh, consumers become more sophisticated. You know, as craft beer rises, there's more of us. We become our, our palates become more sophisticated. How a beer finishes becomes more important to us too. It's a big topic for us a lot. I think when we're tasting a beer in here about how the end, how the beer finishes, whether we want another pint. Uh, whether if it, it can be uh, pretty hoppy or aggressive as long as it finishes dry. And so I think the more sophisticated uh, consumers become, the more this is a challenge for you with these malts. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, we're always trying to think about what the customer is looking for, how tastes are changing, how profiles will be adjusted to cater to those tastes. And, uh, you know, it's something that I think about a lot. And I, I think it's one of the reasons why, quite frankly, we've got those those higher OGs because... You go smaller with some of these ingredients, and I think that that uh, that that lack of control really starts to stand out. It, it's it's a real challenge to make lower um, gravity beers that still have a certain degree of body and drinkability. It's easier to do that with you know with UK two rows or, or or German or Belgian two rows than it is with US two rows. And I think how we've gotten around it a wee bit over the last couple of years in the US is by boosting the original gravity to begin with. Jack up that alcohol, um, try and take care of, of some of those um, those over 
you know, that those those high fermentability issues by just increasing the OGs overall and seeing what happens. And uh, as we see this session ale movement grow more here in the States, we're going to see um, more of a challenge for a lot of brewers. And I think um, the consumer will pick up on that and, and uh, you know, we'll see how it falls out. Well, as the real driving force behind the session and beer movement in the country, I would just like to uh, <laughs> to say that I welcome your entry into into my category. Well, there has to be someone, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I might have a you know a, a racial deficiency being Greek and all, but uh, I tell you what, I know good beer, and it might as well be Dave throwing there somewhere, right? right. <laughs> Well, since you've given us a, a couple techniques in terms of which ingredients to choose, maybe I can press you on that subject a little bit. It sounds like what you've said uh, so far is that if we're, as homebrewers is what I mean, if we're looking to try to make some more sessionable, sessionable beers, the uh, the first step, or the, at least the easiest step we might do is to, to choose some UK base malts rather than some of the overly modified American two-row um, uh, if I have that right, are there any other techniques that you're finding in the brewery? Uh, if we are using American malts, just even little things that we might that might help us make sessionable beers. Uh, well, I mean, be careful of your your uh, your liquor treatment. I mean, how much you're adding in the way of salts can be very important. Don't overdo it when it comes to gypsum or magnesium sulfate. You'll always be told that oh, you've got to have really hard water to make good pale ale and blah blah blah. And you do it certainly have to have a certain degree of of uh, sulfate in your water, and and uh, certain calcium level is important for a number of different reasons. But I would say don't overdo it with that. Um, watch your pHs. Um, you know, if 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 the beer is already drying out, there's no need to increase the sulfate content so much where it's going to appear even drier than it actually is okay so, so watch certainly watch your liquor treatment watch your your uh, your uh, your primary and secondary uh, mash ton rests make sure they're a little bit on the higher side if you're using the u.s uh, two rows you can back them off a wee bit if you're using uh, some of the imported stuff don't be afraid to add a really low color caramel malt um, look for a c10 or a c15 there's a couple of new ingredients out there that are kind of nice that I like um, coming out of the UK and also out of the US. Um, Throwing a wee bit of Vienna malt, something like that, something that will cut that fermentability a wee bit and try and give you a wee bit more body. And uh, don't be afraid to throw in some something odd like oats or flaked barley or torrified wheat. I'm a big fan of wheat and in nearly all of my brands because it aids uh, head retention and foam formation and all the rest of it. Okay. And also help with mouthfeel too. So. And then, and then look at your yeast strain. Um, if you've got a notoriously aggressive yeast strain that will mop up every bloody sugar in sight, well, might not be the one to pick. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you get a Scottish ale strain, it might leave you a wee bit more body in there. So there's a couple of wee, wee things you can do and, and play around with. And uh, even if you, you can't achieve a certain desired residual gravity, you can always try and... Uh, present the image of a certain residual gravity. And what I mean by that is that the beer might dry out a wee bit too much on you, but if you've got the right ingredients in there, sometimes it will appear a bit more fuller body than it actually is, than, than it actually will appear on an alkalizer or something like that. Got it. Well, that's a good, uh, that, the perception, and that's something like the crystal malt that you're saying to add a bit of that to help. Exactly. Or, the, or yeah. the oats. Or- oats too, okay. Yeah. Got it. Is, is there an example of a commercial beer that's doing that? Hmm. What? Uh, appearing to be uh, oh, bigger than it is, be drier, actually finish dry, but yeah. still have a lot of mouthfeel. 
We've had some in here. I don't know that there's a a, a, Session? a mass produced one uh, that we've uh, discussed not, on the show. Probably, probably. I'm not familiar with a, with 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 that in the U.S. I mean, British brewers kind of do it a wee bit, but they've already got that nice two row to provide a body anyway. So sure, you know, Moscow. There's probably a dozen examples we're just not thinking of, uh, but I, I don't think that. Here, here's and, and Demo, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Demo is like saying something that's completely outside of the box. It's just that they're techniques that are sort of coming back around, right? That we're using as we get to lower gravity beers. And most homebrewers, we didn't start with low gravity beers. We were like, oh, I can make a barley wine. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Let's get so, this party started. Uh, so they're techniques that are maybe sort of fresh to us. You okay. know? Yeah, yeah, I think I think even Mark Stewart started with a barley wine back in 1983. So uh, uh, it's yeah, I think you're dead right. I think. These are techniques that have been around a long time, but as we kind of spend more time working on our IPA recipes, we've moved away from some of the more subtle approaches to brewing beer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I like your yeast advice, too, uh, because it, it sounds like you're saying maybe something like the Chico strain, which is very popular, you know, something that will dry a beer out. It's really easy to use and across a wide temperature range. Might not leave you with some of those uh, pseudo-characteristic uh, qualities you're talking about, like an English strain or a, a Scottish strain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that ten fifty six is nice and clean. It, it, we brewed a few beers at someone using that strain. It, it works very well. Um, but maybe, uh, you know, maybe having something with a wee bit more ester would 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 help the overall profile of the beer. Would provide a bit more fullness in there that uh, you know fermentation might not provide in terms of the final gravity of the beer. But having that higher ester profile might help the body and, and mouthfeel overall. Moscow, what's in my glass right now so we can... This is the uh, the flagship IPA, the Saga. Got it. This is another great IPA. And and, and now, JP, uh, you, you know, I always let you be honest about what you think, but this, to me, isn't one of those IPAs that we say, well, fuck it, it's another, it's just a bitter bomb. This has a ton of balance to it and some pretty interesting character. And you can give me the middle finger if I'm wrong. Because <laughs> I'm curious what you think about it. Um, I, it's not... Yes, it, it does. It has a nice sweetness to the malt, and and uh, there's a lot of good hop flavor. Um, but then just the, the bitterness kind of turns me off. I, I had a, I had a sip, and I go, I just really, I'd rather give me a nice mild. Got I it. don't. I just I, IPAs. I can't do. Mild. There's a good man right there. Hey? <laughs> right. See, so? Demo doesn't mind. Uh, I just, I mean, give me that porter again. That's, to me, way more interesting than, sure. I mean, I, I've had beers with a lot of hops, and I've had hop flavor, and I get it. There's a lot of different flavors in hops, but back it up with yeah. some malt. Like, give me give me something more. It's, it's I think IPAs are too easy. So that, that's okay. what was better about the porter, because that had a, a pretty bitter bite to it, too. It did, but it, but there was a lot of complexity. It had some nice chocolate malt in there, and... Uh, that's what I. That's that's just where I lean. I, uh, you know, what you were just saying. A lot of home brewers start out brewing barley wines and all that kind of shit. I've never brewed a barley wine. I've been brewing fifteen years. Right. I've always done dark beers and and kind of lighter on the alcohol side because okay. that's what interests me. And 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 that's fine. It's not to say that anything's right or wrong. But sure, I'm that's right. what I mean. That's why I'm asking you. Well, I'll tell you, I don't consider this IPA bitter at all. Tasty. What do you think? No, it's quite. It's really balanced. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. Well, because I, th- I would say you know five years ago you would call that really bitter. That you might be right about that. But now yeah. everything's elevated, and that baseline is now fifteen IBUs more than what it was five years ago. Well, I'm sure. With, I'm with JP. Yeah. You. you think it's real bitter too? Yeah. Yeah. Right at the end, it's just that. Is that just all? Oh, I guess bitter. It's, That's it's weird. Great, I don't get that at all. Up, it's great up front. Yeah. It's, a, it's got that nice malty sweetness to it. Uh, the hop aroma is great, and then it just floats right into this. 
and you get the IPA flavor. And again, not in a bad way because that's what the style's supposed to do. Right? It's not. It's not me. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. That says a lot more about palates than it does about the beer, right? I mean, just like you say, this isn't bitter at all. Yeah. And then Doc is saying, well, yeah, I mean, then it's. It's just the palate. No, I guess I'm good at being in, you know, kind of relative too. So for an IPA, this is definitely not bitter at all. But then I would even go as far to say is, is that right now on my palate, after the three beers that we've had, uh, the porter to start and then an, uh, a, a milder IPA in the middle and now mm-hmm. this one, uh, I still wouldn't call this a, a bitter IPA. Tasty, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I just took a, I just took a sip of the Drake's IPA as a comparison and uh, it's much hopper than this beer. Yeah. More of the the traditional West Coast, yes, traditional West Coast style. Yeah. I see this beer uh, saga yeah. right as being more balanced. It, it is a West Coast style IPA, though, right, Demo? It is. I, I. When we launched this beer, we got slated because people said it was too balanced, too oh. drinkable, not bitter enough. <laughs> it's too drinkable. Enough. I love well, that comment. Undrinkable. We went undrinkable. Is that a criticism? Hammered. And. Um, it's it's funny because it it actually has um, come to have a very broad appeal. I know a lot of lassies who actually like this beer <laughs> and have no problem drinking a couple of pints of it. Right, um, well, and it's it's easily our fastest growing beer right now. We'll do about twenty five thousand barrels here this year. Wow, uh, which is one hundred and fifty percent above projections. So, it, it I think it's a hoppy beer. Um, it's my take on a West Coast IPA, but it's uh, I wanted to use those New Zealand hops to kind of. Put a wee bit of a variation on a what I would argue is a fairly tired theme these days, um, and uh, I didn't want it to be you know bone crushingly bitter. I wanted it to be fairly drinkable. The alcohol is not that high on it. Um, it's a fairly pale beer. There's not a whole lot of of crystal malt character in there. It is, yeah. Uh, I, I think I'd love to brew it again with with something like a Golden Promise as the base malt, mm-hmm. and then and just see how. Oh, the change in base malt because that's two raw Harrington, which is a nice malt. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's good, good, clean malt. But you throw some some GP in there or some Maris, and uh, mm. I think it would change the beer a, a wee bit. It might not be quite so um, so dry. It it, uh, mm. it would definitely change the overall profile of the beer. And but, what were the New Zealand hops in it? That's got a bit of Wakatsu and a bit of um, Rakao in it. Or Rakho, depending on who you talk to in terms okay. of pronunciation. <laughs> I'm not sure I've had either. I have to call the bloody bloody New Zealand embassy to try and figure out how to pronounce <laughs> And they weren't sure. So, uh, <laughs> right. They don't know how to pronounce anything in New Zealand. It's fine. <laughs> right. They just go, I don't know, call Australia. <laughs> They'll tell you. <laughs> right. No galaxy in there, though. Okay. I like this beer a lot. I like all three of these beers mm-hmm. that you've sent us. I appreciate it. Or that Chip, For sure. That Chip's fat ass sent us. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what's up bro just dropping some beats for the guys and dropping some beers for my bros <laughs> yeah uh i do like this beer it's great and it's what good. yeast is in this one is this an english strain also that's yeah that's that's basically the house ale strain so we use that for pale ale um use that for our winter ale we use it for saga a couple of other brands and uh, it's it's based around a fairly clean UK strain, um, not as clean as 1056 or, or the American Ale too, but uh, clean enough. Okay. Uh, I had a question, uh, Damon. What is an endosperm mash? What is that exactly? So, so basically, what we do, we have a we have a six roller um, uh, mill up on the third floor, and we can uh, we can divide up the uh, the grist into. Uh, oh. Basically, grits and, and husks, and we have a, a separated grist case, hmm. so we can just mash in with those grits and flour, and uh, hold onto the husk, 
And we do all of the steps. Uh, we do the decoction, all of the steps, without the husk coming into contact uh, with the main mash till the very end, just before mash-off. That allows you to basically do a decoction where you're not boiling any kind of husk material. Right. You always want to try to avoid that if possible. It's not easy to do that, of course, but... But if you can avoid boiling husks, then you're in good shape. Because the husk contains all of those astringent materials, the tannins, metallic um, elements, silicates, all the rest of it, all that crap that you'll find coating your tongue when you drink the pint and, and taste like stainless steel. So right. you want to you try and hold those off as long as you can, especially if you're going to be boiling some of that mash and doing just a classical endosperm mash. Um, allows you to do that. You then send them in uh, back into the main mash just before mash off after the decoctions have all finished, and then you send her over to the louder ton. So we're one of the few birds to do it. I think um, the lads out in, uh, they make that really good pilsner out in trimmer. California. The trimmer out here, yeah. Yeah, yeah trimmer still do it. Lars Larson does it. I've talked to him about it a few times. Yeah, He's a big proponent of it too. And, and uh, if you have the technology like we do, you can do it. Um, but a lot of breweries don't have it set up like that. I'm pretty sure Damo got his job just because he sounds like he knows what the fuck he's talking about. He could have been talking bullshit to us for the last two hours. But there's, there's something about him and you go, oh, it's, he knows what he's talking about. He's just flipping through How to Brew <laughs> right. by John Palmer. He's sure. Going, whatever. Yeah. It's basically Fine. the opposite of what I have. <laughs> yes. It's the opposite of Moscow is what Damo is. Well, when he talked about the uh, session beer and the low crystal and all that, yeah. basically he's reading off my recipe. Those are your techniques, too. Yeah, I agree yeah. 100%. It's great. Okay. Yeah. You got the tasty approval, Damon. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I appreciate that, Big Lad. <laughs> so, a couple of questions I have left for you. Some are on my list. Uh, a couple from the listeners here. Here's one for you. Uh, one of our listeners in the chat room says, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the almost West Coast citrus hop character of the English Target hop in another IPA. Can you think of any other overlooked English hops that might equally work well in a single malt, single hop beer? The, 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 one of the varieties that has come on on the market in the last couple of years that I like quite a bit is Admiral. Um, it's about fourteen to fifteen percent alpha acid, traditionally bred as a as a bittering hop in the UK. But got a, it has a really nice orange um, kind of candied orange type note to it. Um, wee bit of citrus in there. I think that's worth checking out. Um, the other variety I really like a lot is Pilgrim. Uh, Kind of a general purpose variety, traditionally more used for for flavor additions and maybe at the beginning of the boil. But I use it as a dry hop in a beer a couple of years back, and I got great results. Kind of more of a lemon lemon lime type note to that hop. So, if I was going to play around with some 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 single hopped UK beers, or maybe just to do a um, kind of an interesting dry hop take, I check out Admiral or Pilgrim. Not classical finishing aroma hops by any stretch of the imagination for UK varieties, but Nonetheless, I think check those out and, and see how it goes. All right, beautiful. Uh, here's one from my notes, and that's that uh, I hear you guys have a new fermentation cellar that uh, is employing some some pretty cutting-edge technology. Can you tell us about that? Oh, yeah, the, the, the Starship and the Hooray's back there. Yeah, it's quite the setup, all right. It's basically a, a brand-new standalone building that's right off the back of our existing fermentation hall. It's fully automated using a, a new type of um, valve matrix that just became available to brewers in the U.S. Uh, and in North America in general. 
Uh, the only company using the technology that I know of right now is Coca-Cola. Um, so this is fairly new to the U.S. scene. Interesting. Uh, the reason we really got hold of it is because the the valves are, are supplied by a company out of Holland called Sudmo. They were recently taken over by a Minneapolis company called Pentair. So they basically came to us and said, hey, lads, we'd love to showcase our valve technology in a local brewery. Oh, here's an opportunity you lads are putting in this extension, this massive expansion that will allow you to double capacity, and, uh, and they helped us bring it bring it online. So it, it's been uh, it's been great. Uh, you know, we, we we are a very traditional brewery in many ways. Um, we love our decoction mashes. We love our UK pale malts. Um, but allowing allowing this kind of technology into the building has enabled us to be just a wee bit more consistent. To increase the quality overall, and uh, and to manage it to, to kind of remain in control. So, you know, I'm all for traditional breweries. I, I you know, was educated in the UK. I, I love I love uh, traditional Belgian and German breweries. But there's no harm in using good quality technology to still manage your consistency. Yeah, to still manage the quality and and to still be traditional. You you can actually pull it all off if you do it right. I think brewing is traditional no matter what you're going to do. And it's it's one of the industries left that is just ripe for for innovation. It's kind of not been innovated for so long, or at least in just minor increments. Even yeah. Charlie Bamforth, I think, has come on and told us. So, or maybe it was not Bamforth, but uh, his his partner up there. Pretty Mike Lewis. Nah, Doctor Lewis. Maybe it was even Doctor Lewis. I think Mad actually. Belchman, yeah. Oh, I love that guy. You He's know, a nut you know job. Mike Lewis. He's a good lad. Yeah. He, he always goes on about glassware every time I talk. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's putting <laughs> in the proper glass. What the hell is wrong with these things? <laughs> yeah. He, he's a. Uh, Meanwhile, he's pouring a Budweiser into the proper glass, yeah, but we'll exactly, leave that yeah, alone. He's swilling it out of a bottle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Budweiser's already in a proper glass. It's in a bottle. It's a long neck. It's fine. <laughs> but these guys who are kind of immersed in, in brewing research and have been for, for years will, will, will say, you know, we've just scratched the surface. Uh, whether it be brewing technology or mm-hmm. the actual science of making beer, we, ju- we know nothing. We've just scratched the surface. Well, you need to pack so. another 20 IBUs in that IPA. <laughs> That's right. when we've really hit the pinnacle of craft beer. <laughs> right. It's a pretty, it's a pretty conservative industry. I mean, uh, you know, its roots are in the industrial revolution. That's when really things exploded, and technology started to emerge a wee bit, and, and mass production kind of kicked into play. And you know, porter became the world's first mass-produced beer, and, and the industry went from there. But you're right; in many ways, we haven't really played around with the base elements. We've we've looked at some other, you know, gimmick gimmickry things like continuous fermentation and, and high gravity brewing and all the rest of that crap, but. For the most part, we've stuck to a fairly traditional approach. Beer is, is in many ways, a very traditional product, yeah. a very traditional drink. Um, it has a certain image that, that the consumer likes to believe in and, and is heavily associated with history. You watch any advertisements with the big lads, it's, they'll often talk about you know, the history of the industry and how important that is. It's it's agricultural base. It's, it's light engineering base, and uh, it, it, you know, in the next fifty years, it, it 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 probably will change in terms of engineering. I don't know how much the basic process will change. I don't know if it'll change a whole lot. But the there's no doubt that the engineering is, is changing all the time. Even in my time, I've been a brewer for seventeen years. It's it's changed quite a bit. Well, I think, well, I think uh, here on the program, we've already expressed how it's going to change in the beginning of the of the show. We did a news story about uh, powdered beer that tastes <laughs> just like premium craft beer. You add water, yeah. and uh, the future is here already, Damo. You're out of business. That's, 
bloody great. I'll just retire now, lads, and call it quits. <laughs> it's just add water to some fucking powder. Well, no, I mean, they need somebody to make the powder. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's where all the creativity is in the future. Powder. You're going to be craft powder makers, Demo. Pablo Escobar would agree with you. I came up with you. they started making hop oil. That was kind of the end of it for me. So. <laughs> right. When they turn a plant into a liquid, it was time to say cheerio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I've got one more question that we can let you do, let you go if you don't mind. But I just wanted to ask about the Union series that Summit does, and you've got a new one coming out uh, maybe late November called Rebellion Stout, and uh, I'm hearing that it's a double export stout, which sounds interesting. And I'm hoping it has a ton of hops in it, so you'll piss off your friend JP here. Hey, I don't even care. <laughs> well, it'll have some malt to back it up. So <laughs> right, <it's fine>. right. <laughs> The, uh, you know, most brewers will, they'll always tell you how they come up with a new beer. They'll say, well, I had this idea in my head and, uh, I thought about it for a while and I developed this flavor profile and then I got all these ingredients together and then I put them all together and it's, it's like, it's like an art, lads. It's, 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 you know, it's not science, it's an art. And right. I said, bollocks to that. What we'll do is we'll, we'll get these ingredients into the brewery and, uh, we'll see if, uh, your old pal Demo can figure out a way to put them all together and make something halfway drinkable out of the lot of them. So, Rather than coming up with a, a, a style or an idea first for a beer, we decided we'll take the ingredients that are kind of either just coming on the market or um, are a bit more difficult to get hold of, and we'll see if we can kind of blend them into something that's reasonably tasty for the final consumer. Um, it's kind of where the union concept comes from. We're, we're taking these these ingredients who are kind of bringing them together with, with some fairly traditional brewing processes, new ingredients, traditional brewing processes, and hopefully we don't make a complete, you know, sousier out of the whole of it and, and uh, we can actually make something decent. The double export stout, I don't know if you've ever had a beer from um, Harvey's Brewery in, in uh, Lewistown in uh, Sussex. No. They make, they make an export stout, and they have about five or six different words on there. It's an export foreign double imperial Russian <laughs> So I, that was kind of a take on that. I was wondering how many words I could get into the name of the beer. But, uh, right. With, with this, it's based on a 19th century um, cork stout. So everyone thinks with my Guinness background, ah, oh, he'll do a you know a foreign extra stout, something similar to what Guinness makes today. But I wanted to do a kind of a, a monster stout or a cork stout. Um, we're going to bring in the malt from a small malting company down in Cork, and then we'll single hop it with Bodicea, which is a a new up and coming. Um, star in the uk hop scene hmm. uh, it's a single another single hop beer but we'll bring in a range of, of interest in roasted moths to kind of complement those hops so uh yeah hopefully i don't make a complete bags of it lads we'll find out soon enough. <laughs> we'll see are you do you do this on a on a pilot system or do these things go out on the big system the uh the previous entry i did uh in the series was uh, um, a single hop single malts um Belgian Ankle, which I did originally on the pilot system and then scaled up. With the stout, um, because of my experience at Guinness, I'm just going to say, to hell with it, feck it, I'm just going to go for it. And <laughs> we'll, we'll, do, we'll do two brews of it and see how it rolls. There you go. You can always blend them together. That's exactly right. You can do that when you work for a larger brewery. That's right. You're going to get bought out by Diego soon. <laughs> Techniques like that. <laughs> All right, or folks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can go to summitbrewing.com right now and check it out. A lot of the beers that we've talked about here in the program, you can read about their descriptions. You can find out where you'll find Summit Brewing. Uh, you can go on a free tour, which gives you free beer. It's right there on the homepage. So all sorts of good things coming out of Summit. Damo, uh, I really appreciate your time with us. It's been fun, man. 
Cheers, lads. You're always welcome. If you ever get over to fly over Cunt Street, stop by. Have a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'll be honest with you. I can't wait to find an additional excuse to go to Minnesota. Right. And when I do, you know, when some idiot friend of mine who lives there gets married, I'm coming to Summit. <laughs> Don't come in January. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice. Thanks, Damo. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks a lot, lads. All the best. All right, man. Take Cheers. care. Can you imagine Cheers. what it must be like when you, uh, when you, because you know how you land and then the captain comes on and he's like, you know, the local time here is uh, eleven fifteen and the local temperature here is minus forty five. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're actually going to give you parkas to walk off the tarmac with, or else you're going to freeze in place. Right. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. I didn't say Minnesota. I, did, I said the United States. Yeah, I said California. No, the Bruce great, though. He's doing yeah. a good job over there. Been there a while. He's got to be used to it by now. Of know, course. In a minute, 10 yeah. years, 13 years. Well, I feel like that. he has to fit right in, even though he didn't know anybody. I mean, you know, Irish are pale. Those people are pale. It's just kind of... <laughs> well, that's true. It's like cousins, but just, you know, with different accents. That's true. Well, and the accents are a little funky in Minnesota, too. So right. it's uh, they're, they're peas in a pod. Uh, Summit Brewing Company, that was uh, Damien Damo McCon, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I think that kid's got a lot of knowledge. We could probably have him back on the program. Uh, How as, old is he? He's probably like 49. Eh, he's a kid. Everyone's a kid. Uh, but everyone but Tasty is a kid in my book. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I look at I'm things. I'm trying. Uh, all right, with all that great information that Damo gave us, if you're looking for a place to put your beer recipes in so you can get your home brews done right, go to beersmith.com right now and get your free 21-day trial of Beersmith homebrewing software. And uh, it's available on PC and Mac, and it does just about everything and probably more than you're going to use it for. It's one of those programs you actually got to grow into. But you can use it for the basics, too, and there's a video tutorial for everything that you need to do. Uh, I still need Doc to help me, but don't take me as an example. It's because I'm an idiot. Uh, but uh, Beersmith Homebrewing Software, go to Beersmith.com. It's a free 21-day trial, so you don't have to take our word for it. I know that the beer that we're going to uh, talk about here in just a couple minutes when we do the Brewcaster Challenge was probably designed in Beersmith by Doc. Yeah, I got to try some new things in there Did with, you? With, with Beersmith. It was great. Okay. We'll talk about that a little bit in the future. Go to Beersmith.com right now and check it out. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, live listeners, it's going to be just a few minutes longer than normal. We're going to pull the Brewcaster Challenge beer. It's time to taste our Roggen beers. When we come back, we'll find out who wins, Doc or John Plisse. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters, the Brewcasters. on the Brewing Network. Go for all the stuff you need to brew. Homebrewstuff.com, of course. In their Boise, Idaho storefront and warehouse, they have more than 750 craft beers and 8,000 square feet of homebrew products in stock. The staff at Homebrew Stuff are homebrewers themselves. They try out just about everything, including the beer, so they can answer your questions knowledgeably and correctly about brewing, kegging, and anything else you might need to ask. Don't live near the Homebrew Stuff store? Visit homebrewstuff.com online and take advantage of their $7.95 domestic shipping available on most orders. Homebrewstuff.com is a proud sponsor of the AHA, NHC, GABF, and countless other acronyms. So if you're a homebrewer looking for great people, a great selection, and great deals, head to homebrewstuff.com online or in person. Visit their YouTube channel for loads of free how-to and product videos. All of the stuff you need to brew. Homebrewstuff.com 
Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs, and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. By popular vote from the Northwest Brewing News, HopTech has been voted the best homebrew shop in Northern California. Serving homebrewers for nearly 30 years in Dublin, California, HopTech carries more than 40 different kinds of hops and more than 60 different grains. Malt extract, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts. Open every day except Wednesday or shop online anytime at HopTech.com or call 1-800-DRY-HOPS, 1-800-379-4677. With in-store classes almost every Saturday, huge selection 
connection, and a dedicated commitment to their customers, HopTech is one of the longest-running and passionate homebrew stores, period. And now, by popular vote, the best homebrew shop in Northern California. And don't forget their 15% military discount. HopTech. Visit today at HopTech.com. Mix me your 100-grain amber recipe, and I'm going to eat it. And then it can ferment in my gut. It totally works. The beer is almost identical to the grain sandwich. Your colon won't know what hit it. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. One beer. This is the session. Welcome back to the program. Thanks to Damian Damo McCann. He's the brewmaster at Summit Brewing Company. They're out there in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can go to summitbrewing.com right now and check them out. And you know what? I really like talking to Damo. He's like he's he's one of those brewers that we want to hang out with. Right. He's a lot like me. <laughs> I know he's one of those. Yeah, he's, he's the one brewer that wants to hang out with JP. I think right. He's a lot like me. Yeah, he's like oh, really immature and like super <laughs> handsome and right. down to earth and just likes a lot of people. A lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, you ha- you lost me at mature. <laughs> no, <and> okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Demo, sure. uh, really, I I do wish he was in a different state. You know, the one that we would go to. So does he? Then we can go hang out. Yeah, he's like, you know what we should do? We should open a summit in Northern California. <laughs> That's what he tells Mark every day. Uh, thanks to Demo for being on the program. That was a good time. Uh, we've got a few things to do now. Uh, you know, most importantly, it's our uh, third Brewcaster Challenge finale. Yeah. As part of the finale, we've added in the Label Challenge, where us Brewcasters get to compete against each other by creating labels. Uh, I'll admit, uh. we suck at it. Not in the label creating uh, <laughs> phase, because I think once we actually create labels, they're quite good. Yeah. But this bunch of fucking idiots, myself included, we just can't seem to, to sit down and do the labels. So uh, we're hoping to get better at it. But there are, what, uh, f- uh, at least three labels at least uh, three. per contestant. Someone has four. And how many people on staff do we have? <laughs> Nine? <laughs> How many people? Yeah, in the room. Hey, I was uh, excused, and I wasn't going to do it anyway. Well, it's not that you were asked not to. It's just it was okay that everybody knew you weren't going to do it anyway. <laughs> I haven't done one yet. Why would I do one now? Well, there you go. Sam was supposed to do mine. He didn't. Just for, saying. First of all, I don't care what happens in your marriage. Like, when you, when you go to work and go, oh, well, Sam will do that. Yeah. And he doesn't. Uh, so I don't give a shit. Well, I'm just telling you, you need to... You bark up his tree. That said, there's at least one label up there that I was like, oh, Sam did that. He wasn't, I was, I was, it wasn't Sam. So you could have lied to me and said, I, mean, I Sam totally, that's, that's from me. Right. But Sam did it. Okay. Oh. Okay. So we're trying to get better. And by trying, I mean, this is the nice way of me telling everybody, please submit some fucking labels for the next Brewcaster Challenge, everybody. It, it is actually uh, kind of difficult. You paid me for like four hours. They're just staring at the site going, I don't know what to do right now. What encompasses these two waiting, people? Yeah. 
So, here's what you can do. You can go to grogtag.com, a wonderful sponsor of ours, who, by the way, produce an, an awesome product. If you need labels for your beer and you're tired of uh, like taping you know, paper onto bottles or uh, throwing it in the cooler and then turning into a big mess or... Uh, they're, they're reusable labels. They also make reusable. Uh, they also make labels for kegs, uh, uh, which are, are kind of larger. Those those are some of my favorite products. All sorts of good things over at grogtag.com. If you go to grogtag.com slash bnarmy, uh, then you'll find the home of the Brewcaster Challenge labels. And right when you go there, you'll see uh, two selections right now. Uh, Doc versus John Plisse is the one that counts. And if you click on that, uh, then you have two more selections. You can go to view labels created for Doc's beer and view labels created for John Plisse's beer. And we'd like you to go in and you can vote once on each page. Is that right, JP? You can vote That's once correct. on each page. So yeah. you can vote for one of the labels created for Doc and one of the labels created for John Plisse. And I encourage you to go vote now because we're still tallying votes. And at the end of the show today, we'll find out who won the label challenge. That's correct. I'm not ashamed to say that I won in both label yeah, categories well. during the last Brewcaster Challenge. Never. Listen, if I can't win a beer challenge, I this is all I have to cling to. How many times can you vote for yourself? Uh, I yeah. think just once. You think? <laughs> See? Per so category. everybody... I won by a large margin last time, didn't I, JP? You did win by a large margin. That's absolutely correct. Thank you. You're, You're very welcome. welcome. So I'm hoping to repeat tonight. Uh, go. My labels are... No. Uh, just head over to grogtag.com slash bnarmy right now. Uh, you'll figure out how to do it. Vote once for doc labels and once for plisse labels. And then uh, hopefully I will have more points at the end of the program. What if I win the Brewcaster Challenge just based on label points by the end of the thing? <laughs> what we should have done for people well, like me is sad. make the label points worth more than the beer points so that an idiot like me has a chance That's to win. That's the only way, mm. buddy. Well, then, and by the way, I would accept that award. At the end, if I became the best brewer at the Brewing Network just based on my labels, right. I'd be like, oh, fuck yeah. Of course you would. <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> yeah. the best brewer. I'm, a master brewer. I'm, the, I'm the best brew labeler. Labeler. Yeah. That's like winning on Meads and Ciders in NHC, man. Come on. <laughs> I would accept that. It's fine. Yeah, hey, talk to Warren about that, all right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't understand lip reading. You just got to tell me. Mike. Uh, oh, Nate's mic. Got it. Thank you. Uh, you know what's funny about lip reading is that when people try to tell you things, they accentuate it. So even if you could lip read, you're not going to lip read a person who's <laughs> trying to tell you something off air. Because right. they open their mouth like twice as wide and it's, it's twice as animated. And it looked like you just told me that Chewbacca jumped off a cliff. <laughs> it's an enunciating in silence. It means anything you want it to mean. Yeah. yeah. All right, so here's what we have uh, in front of us. We've got two beers labeled A and labeled B. We've tasted them. We've voted. Uh, Doc and Plisse Rogan Beer Challenge. Lee, did I get that right finally? Is it Rogan Beer and not Rogan Beer? Yeah, Lee does. <laughs> Lee is our uh, BJCP master judge, but he doesn't give a shit well, he, about pronunciation. He voted for the wrong beer, so he had to pull his label out and redo it. So, right. well, uh, sometimes people who are very smart are so hyper focused on the task that everything else is ancillary. Right. 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 Wow. <laughs> Do you have a calendar uh, word of the day? What <laughs> focused? No ancillary. No. <laughs> I was thinking focused. <laughs> uh, all right. That's why you and I are <laughs> waiting for an opportunity to use that one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we've all voted. Uh, of course, we have John Plisse in the room and Doc in the room. They both had to brew a rog and beer. Now, uh, help me remember. In fact, uh, Plisse, why don't you jump up on Nate's mic here just real quick. Uh, neither of you have ever brewed a rog and beer before. Do I have that right? No, and I've only tasted very few of them e e either way. Us also. 
Uh, now, I, I would like to, I know that Moscow wanted to give a shout out to some listeners too, but I wanted to uh, do my own. The German contingent actually sent us the uh, Polaner version that I think Lee recommended to begin with, uh, Thern and Taxis. Is it, uh, it's probably not being pronounced right like in, in English, but uh, I have a friend that works right at the brewery, so she sent it from the brewery. We had that at the beginning of today's program. We didn't talk about it because we all de- already did a rog- a and beer tasting on the last show. But I will say this. Uh, I think all of the commercial and beers that we've had during this process have been really good beers. Agreed. Which surprised me because I didn't think I'd like the style in general. It, it's interesting. That's you, why you picked it for us? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no, he like knew we never brewed it. Yeah, you're yeah. the sad sacks have to get more than one gallon of it. Um, <laughs> right. Because, you you know, you hear it's brewed with rye, and, and American rye beers tend to be real spicy, and I think overdone on the rye, but a German rye beer is, is was not like that at all. It was very interesting. There's that, although I, I think I've come to like rye over the years because brewers have gotten better at using it. I was more concerned about... Uh, the Hefeweizen style yeast, the Weitz, mm. the Weitz yeast with the clove and the banana. It's just not my thing. And, and the more pronounced those two things get, uh, the less I like it. But a lot of the commercial examples we had, uh, I, I thought were pretty mellow on the clove and banana. Yeah, but they, it was definitely there. So why yeah. do you think you liked them? Uh, because they were mellow. I, I think there was some good balance with the rye malt that actually brought up some other characters. And they did. In other words, I think I was expecting a Dunkelweizen. Hmm. When I had my first uh, Roggen beer, which would be just kind of a dark uh, fucking Hefeweizen, as far right. as I'm concerned, because yeah. it, it just has all that banana and, and clove. And a little and, thicker. And, yeah. And, yeah. But but most of the beers we had, I don't think were like Dunkelweizens at all. They, I don't think I, any of them were, yeah. I think they were pretty good. The Rogue example mm-hmm. of a Rogan beer, in their case, right. uh, actually had a little smoke malt in there, which, mm-hmm. which I thought was nice. Uh, there was a small brewery that we got a beer sent to us. In fact, he sent me... Um, uh, a message saying thanks for tasting his beer because we gave it rave reviews. It was awesome. Yeah, that was Ruben's Brews up in Washington. That's it. That beer was was fabulous. Uh, and then there was a couple others that we had that were pretty good. So what I mean to say, guys, is uh, we picked a style that we thought would be uh, kind of out there, which it was, and, and that I wouldn't like anyway. There were some really good beers, so I think that the challenge has been set twice for you. For one, you've never brewed the beer, and two, we had some great examples. I still think the joke's on you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Without going too much into detail, because we're going to go into your brew days uh, in the next segment. After we've figured out who the winner is, we're going to find out what you thought you did did right and what you thought you did wrong. Just in a general perspective, John, uh, how do you think the brew day went? How, how do you feel about this beer? Uh, pretty smooth, actually. You yeah. know, I step mashed it, like I said. And I was, you know, I prepared a lot of the water the night before. Um, had the smack packs going uh, the morning of uh, the rice holes in the mash. Yeah, I was done in five and a half hours. Did the whole thing come out the way you wanted it to? Yeah, I hit my, you know, my gravity. You know, so I can't complain. Are you proud of this beer? Very proud of it. I've been drinking shit out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then that's a success already, right, guys? There you go. Right. Uh, without telling me what they are, have you learned some lessons during the brew process? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. That's yeah. what we'll get to in the next segment, and that's the whole point of this thing anyway. Doc, how do you, are you proud yeah. of your beer? Oh, very much so. Oh, it, yeah? It came out so much better than I thought it would have. I thought I'd have, you know, 10 gallons of crap I didn't want to even drink, and I couldn't give away to my friends. Sure. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best beer you've ever brewed, where would you put this one? Oh, please. <laughs> uh, 
I only grew nines and tens. So I'm, so. Come on. <laughs> Be honest with yourself for once in your life, Doc. Give yourself some some real objective criticism. Uh, this one came out so much be- more, just better than I thought it ever would. I it's I've had some bad ones. Okay, and, I, th- and I, I wasn't sure if it was just I didn't like the style. And great, I'm gonna grew a great one of these styles and still hate it. Uh, so I tweaked it a little bit, kind of more for my palate. It's a long way to say four, is what he's saying. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it was a pretty clean beer all the way around. Yeah. I'd give it an eight. An eight. Uh, <laughs> Johnny, yours? Uh, I'd give it a seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. You've yeah. brewed some goddamn good beers, too, so that's what I'm asking for in the in the, in the the scheme of things. Yeah. Seven and a half. All right. Yeah. A 30, 35, maybe. Okay. Yeah. A nice, good, clean beer that's rocking. Yeah. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to reveal the results, but first we've got to find out how our betting went. Uh, each of us brewcasters bet on uh, who might win, and this is, uh, this is a points tally as well. So let's find out how everybody voted, and then uh, we'll figure out who the winner is. Well, let's uh, give a points update to where we are uh, year-to-date year winnings on this contest. Uh, so I lead the pack. I have 187. Uh, just on, on 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 betting? Yeah, well, because it's it's one point eight seven the way the odds go. So I'm just going to round it up okay. to the nearest hundred. Yeah, hundred eighty seven for me, uh, Justin. You have a hundred and twenty, mm. and Bevo has sixty seven points, and uh, that's it. And everyone else is a, a big fat zero. Okay. And wow. who was the underdog in this uh, race? Uh, Doc is favored three to two. Okay. We're still close. Uh, everybody has been on Doc except for JP. Okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you mean, baby? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> History. History. So JP could actually make it onto the betting board <laughs> yeah. if, if uh, please say, wins. He could win big today. Yeah. Actually. I'll split yeah. that board. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Headbutt that motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, it would actually uh, it would it'd leapfrog him into second place. He'd, he'd score 150 points with the win. Here. Wow. All right. That's all I do, baby. He was smart to bet. All right. Well, unless I'm missing anything, we tasted these beers at the break. What I'd like to do now is just count the votes. And when we do that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll then go around and actually find out why everybody voted uh, the way they did. But right now, it's time to find out the winner of the Brewcaster Challenge. What do we have? All right. Someone telling these. Uh, let's start with me. I voted uh, A. Hang on, a. hang on. Uh, Jibby's gonna tally. Is gonna tally. Here we have one A. Don't tell us who voted. Just give oh. us A's oh. or B's. Okay. Okay. Uh, the next vote is another A. A. And uh, three A's now. Uh oh. Oh, look like a runaway. Four A's now. Uh oh. This is, might be our first. Five A's now. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, we have a B. We got to be. All right. It's not a runaway. Yes. Here. Now we're at another A. Okay. That's got a sting. (laughs) (laughs) And another A. Oh, dear. And we got one last one. Last vote. A. Oh, man. Wow. All right. So the winning beer is A. uh, (laughs) Only one vote for B. The question remains who brewed A and who who brewed brewed B. Uh, the only people that in the room that know who's A and who's B are uh, Doc and uh, John. Please say, uh, one of you, please tell us whose beer is A, the winning beer. It's Doc's. Oh! John pointed at Doc. Doc is the winner of the third Brewcaster Challenge. Wow. Congratulations, Doc. 
We're going to find out more about your beer, but first we're going to go around the room and find out what people thought. I would like to start with at least saying this. I'm surprised it was a landslide Mm. because this vote took me longer than any vote so far. I had to taste back and forth and really kind of chug a little bit, really take it. By the way, I'd be a terrible judge because I realize how much beer I have to consume to really (laughs) pick. And I'm not trying to be a a joke about it either. Like, uh, to pick out the flavors... I have to take a lot of big gulps. Me too. Right. Well, that's I why you too. like IPAs. I would be the worst uh, judge in like a day-long competition yeah. because of the amount of beer I have to consume just to figure out which one I like. This one was very difficult for me in that regard because I kept going back and forth. Part of that problem was the was the banana and clove, to be honest. So I kind of went back and forth and, and which one suited my palate. Since it's kind of a, a best-in-show uh, yeah. uh, win, I, I thought, well, which one suits my palate? But then secondarily, I try to, to look for, for flaws, and, and that's where I wasn't really finding flaws. Uh, I was having a hard time picking out things that might be wrong with the beers, and so I'm quite surprised that it was such a landslide uh, towards A. Uh, that being said, I also voted for A. Surprisingly, it had more of the clove and banana flavor, but it, which I would generally vote against. But it had something else going on with it that I think helped balance it out. It gave it more character for me. It gave it something that was closer to the other Roggen beers. Uh, both examples, I think, had more banana and clove than any Roggen beer we tried. I think they were both closer to, in fact, a Dunkelweizen, which is what I was afraid of, than any com- <laughs> than any commercial beer that we tried. So whether or not that's, I, I don't know what that means for the style or not. Maybe Lee can help us out when we talk to him on the BJCP side. But I also chose a very difficult decision. It just, it had some kind of character to it that I liked better. I think that B had a little bit of the uh, bubblegum characteristic that can come out of the Hefe, or the, the Weizen yeast as well. And that's the worst of the three. For me, and so maybe that's the, and and I'm talking about a tiny, tiny amount, and I think that was really the only deciding factor was just a little bit of a, a bubble gum. So Johnny, as expected, it's all right. You were right there, man. Thanks, bud. Uh, but I also <laughs> went with a. Uh, I, I will point out so that everybody else can talk about it too. What an extreme color difference in the two. Yeah. Mm. Uh, a Doc's beer being very dark, much like the other Roggen beers that we tried. Uh, John Plissé's being a much lighter color. It's funny the style guidelines have a fourteen and nineteen SRM, but the uh, the in the uh, description of the color and the guidelines they say it can be a brown in color, you know. So yeah, there's a little yeah they're a little vague on whether vague it's, on color uh, or or if it's there's a little blurb in there about it being uh, kind of Bavarian style, okay, a different. All right, let's go to a new person. Let's bring Rima on the. On the uh, on the program here. Uh, Rima, is, she works for Ninkasi, by the way, so we've brought in some very talented uh, judges here on the program, and uh, Rima's hanging out with us. She's a, a new rep for, for Ninkasi. You all know Ninkasi, a great friend of the show, and uh, some fantastic beer. Uh, which way did you vote, Rima? I actually voted for A. You voted for A also. And why? Well, um, something I look for in beers is a well-balanced beer. So both of these actually had a pretty subdued Weizen yeast flavor, which I was definitely a fan of, um, def- because I, just like Justin, I'm not a huge fan of like huge banana clove, banana uh, bubblegum esters. Yeah. But um, something I really liked about A 
was that it had a really nice creamy texture, mm-hmm. which balanced out some of the acidity on the finish. Whereas in B, something that turned me off was just a little bit too much acidity. So it didn't me- it didn't cu- keep me coming back to the beer. Whereas A, I I kept wanting a little bit more. Okay. Those are good decisions. And by the way, uh, I just tasted them again, too. You know, Lee, in the beginning, had mentioned to me when we were tasting them that they were both really cold. And now, of course, they, they've warmed up quite a bit. And I'm not, I wouldn't change my vote, but they are really changing. And I'm picking up a little more uh, kind of a candy sweetness with both of them. And uh, they're actually getting more and more similar <laughs> as, they, as they warm up, in my opinion. Tasty, let's go to you and uh, find out how you voted. What do you think? Well, uh, I voted for A as well. Uh, I like the uh, the rye character in A. I think it's a very appropriate, uh, balanced amount. It's got a nice, subtle, smoky character to it, uh, which I think is really typical of this style. Um, B, uh, yeah, I got stuck on the banana. It's in the aroma. It's pretty strong in the flavor. Kind of a, I do get the bubblegum thing for sure. Uh, it has a lot of like a Maybach character because it doesn't have enough rye to me to, to put it uh, I don't know, don't get a lot of I don't get a, like a very much rye character in that beer. Yeah, I'd give it a Maybach thing too. Yeah, I, I wanted to say, and it was just it's such a stupid descriptor, so I didn't say it. <laughs> it's a little more beery, like it, which is like a Maybach yeah. thing. Like it has more of a normal beer character rather than the. I know it's a retarded. That is pretty retarded. It, but <laughs> it, it, the the one has more of the spice character, and the other one just is a little more beery. Yeah, it's and, a beer. Yeah, it's a Maybach to me. The Maybach, exactly. Yours is much better than my descriptor. Thank okay. you. <laughs> All right, so you voted A as well. Uh, why don't we go to Moscow? Yeah, I was A. Um, you, I agree that as they warm up, they're becoming like each other, which is weird because they were so different, you know, when you tasted them cold. Yeah. And I agree with Rima. I got the, the much creamier mouthfeel from, from Doc's beer. And I also got, I, I wrote down like, um, you know, kind of a roasty coffee, almost like a porter-esque character to mm-hmm. Doc's that I found delightful. But I thought, you know, when I drank it, like, well, maybe, maybe... John's is closer to style, even though I don't know anything. I'm like, this maybe is more Roggen beerish, but I, I like A more, and you know that's how we're supposed to vote. Sure. All right, let's bring in Tim. He's in from Lagunitas. I'm telling you, we brought in an all-star cast to come and vote on this beer today. Uh, Tim, which one did you vote for, and tell us why you did so. I chose A. Um, I liked the kind of darker malt character that came out. The, uh, B, I thought had actually a better mouthfeel. I actually liked the mouthfeel on B. But, again, it was a little bit too acidic. Uh, I thought the color was a little too light. And uh, as they warmed up, I did cr- try and wait a little while to taste them again later. Okay. And uh, and as you said, they did get more similar. But with A, I thought it just held up longer and it just hit the, the notes that I'm familiar with on that style of beer. Because I'd actually just had a homebrewed version last week. Oh, really? Yeah, so I started looking into it, like the BJCP on my uh, iPhone yeah. app. So I just familiarize myself with that what freak do you know that's like oh i'm gonna brew a roggen beer <laughs> guys from fresno okay uh, so that makes sense yeah. that's all you had to say <laughs> all right let's talk to lee and now lee is our uh, master judge from the bjcp and i've asked him to do a couple of things and one is just to vote on this uh, as a best in show but i'll ask him questions also from a bjcp perspective but his vote went down just like the rest of ours which one do you like the best uh lee which did you vote for i'm your black sheep yeah <laughs> 
You're the B guy. Yeah. You know yeah. what's surprising about this is I hmm. thought for sure it would be JP. <laughs> uh, partly because I thought he would cheat, and, and two, just because somehow he just he manages to stick out. I don't know. <laughs> Keep in mind, Lee wrote down A, crossed it out, and put B. Ah, and went right. over. You're right. You're right. You're right. So you're our B guy. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about it. Why? Why did I vote B? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was actually a tough choice. They're both nice beers. Um, I enjoyed drinking both of them. They both get on pretty easily. In the end, I was just thinking about it sort of on stylistic guidelines. And, sure. Um, in the end, I think I kind of like the ferment character in B a bit more. It was you now classic sort of half a banana clove, little, little bubble gummy side. You're right. But it was kind of like that, and it fit in. The problem with it was it was kind of pale. You know, it looks like a straight Hefeweizen. and I'm not sure you'd pick it out as being a Roggen beer necessarily. It had a little bit of rye in it, not that much. Okay. Um, the thing with A, with Doc's beer, it was creamy. It was nice. Again, pretty good ferment character. For me, it, when it was cold, I was picking up this weird phenol on the nose. For me, it smelled a little bacony, which I get that in Hefe sometimes. And when it warmed up, it... It was getting this little bit of a stouty edge with a sort of a roast malt flavors, and I didn't think that quite worked for for stylistic purposes. Even though it really tasted good, sure, I drink a lot of that beer. But um, yeah, for that reason, I sort of swung towards speed. Got it. Yeah. Well, John, if it's any constellation, a constellation, uh, the BJCP master judge was the oh, guy who voted for you. Yeah. And if it's any constellation, Big Dipper. That's Big Dipper. right. Yeah. What about Sagittarius? That's right. <laughs> All right, JP. I'm I'm telling you, I'm so shocked that it wasn't JP that voted for. I, I am too. <laughs> so uh, I, am, I am as well because uh, you know, trust me, I need the points. I I voted for A strictly because B you didn't want to be seen as a cheater. Well, that's also very true. Uh, B to me was too. It, it everyone said A is the creamy one. I got B as the creamy one. Okay, and it was too mouth-coatingly weird for me. I liked the ferment character in B. I liked the aroma in B. Um, I liked the flavors in B. But there was this mid-palate creaminess that I didn't dig on. I didn't necessarily like A better than, than B. I didn't really like A. It was too dark malty, too uh, melanoidin-y. Men- yeah, yeah. Menolanidity. Constellation-y. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I didn't care for it that much, but I voted for it because B had this the odd, this weird creaminess that I didn't I didn't like. So if we're going strictly based on what we like, yeah. because we have no idea what the fuck the style. Well, we well, have we some do, back. Right? That's why we tasted them. Yeah. Uh, I I went with A. You went with A. Yeah. So basically, you just went with what you hated less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was judging like double IPAs. You know, like, uh, okay, I guess I don't want to throw up after this. Did one, you so. have anything to do with picking this style? Yes. <laughs> well, fuck you, then. You, you got a lot to do with it. If you think it'll help, we can try that. But I don't think it'll help. You know, I kind of picked on the you. one. I kind of picked the one I hated less. Also, I'm JP. not the one who has ten gallons of this. In my I house. like it. I've been drinking the shit out of it. Yeah, so have I. Well, then you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I only got a carbonated last night, so I've been drinking the shit out of it since yesterday. <laughs> so I liked B. I really did. I thought the fr- I liked the ferment. I liked the flavors of it all, but but it w- it had that creamy mid palate thing, and it didn't make me come back for more. Right. Yeah. Okay. Beaver, how'd you vote? Obviously, I voted A yeah. since we know who voted for B. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. <laughs> Bevo calling it, calling me out. Sorry. <laughs> she just woke up. I did not. Shut up, baby. I thought that uh, I chose a. Because <laughs> my paper Jesus. is going to be on Harry Potter. 
The reason that I wrote like Harry Potter is because Please I will restate the question in your answer. <laughs> I will try to prove why Harry Potter is a piece of literary artwork for the following reasons. The reasons are the following. Uh, it's called Harry Potter. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> um, okay, so I thought that B was too sweet. Personally, um, it left a, like everybody, well, not everybody, but as many of you have JP. said, there was a mouth coating. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was kind of slippery. And um, it kind of uh, reminded me a little bit of eggnog. Like oh. the aftertaste in my mouth was a little eggnoggy. Mm, okay. And I like me some eggnog. So I don't. This, I, you need to cut it with more I'm surprised bourbon. that I voted this way because I like the banana. I like the clove. I'm more, I'm more the person to go towards that style. That's something mm-hmm. I enjoy. I don't like smoky, dark, whatever. But I thought that Doc's beer was more drinkable. Like if I had these two super hot guys bought me each a beer, I right. would go out with the guy that bought me Doc's beer. Fucking. <laughs> you're married. <laughs> we, the most. <laughs> Sam's down there like, what's going on? Wow. By the way, this is a new... It's a, it, I don't know if you've read the most recent BJCP style guidelines, but when judging a best in show round, you're supposed to think about it. if two super hot guys gave right. you a beer, which one would you buy? It's fuck? actually in the new rules rolling out. Right. Which yeah. beer is going to get me laid? It's overall impressions and which then how many hot guys would it take? Doc. <laughs> All right. To the glass. Virtual score. I believe we're uh, down to Nathan. Is that our last... Uh, did I go through everybody else? Or are we up? Oh, no, we still have Wonder as well from, from More Beer. He's, he's here. But, Nathan, uh, why Obviously, did you pick A? Uh, picked A, but it did seem to have a lot of chocolate, carafa, kind of this chalky, roasty quality, which I thought was a bit excessive for style. So I almost booted it on that, but it does win the uh, beauty contest as far as a beer. And it's a giveaway dock beer because the water seems manipulated as hell. <laughs> it's got this okay. huge, like, chloride, really soft water kind of thing going for it, which is really nice. Very muted esters, and, and but a little too much caramel, a little too sweet, but still kind of better as a beer. Just okay. beautiful head retention. It's a really nice beard. John's beer, B, I, it was a really interesting, nice beer, but as it warmed up, the, the esters and the yeast quality seemed like the yeast was stressed and underpitched. It seemed like he was trying to get a yeast character that was a little too aggressive out of it, and the yeast was kicking out some flavors that weren't so happy. Okay. And it, I always tend to judge based on the ferment, so... Well, as it. we know, leading up to it, Jay, uh, Plissé told us that uh, he didn't do a starter, he did the smack right. pack. So. Exactly, and it, it kind of shows in the beer, which, I mean, if you want a bigger ester profile, which I think you did, John, it, it worked in that sense. But it had a really odd mouthfeel. Like, Bevo hinted at it, kind of this eggnoggy, gravelly, kind of, not slick, but it has a thick, sort of gravelly mouthfeel to it. It's conquered water I've never quite encountered it before. Ah, It's kind of odd, but yeah, it wins more on style, though. I agree with Lee for going that way. It's definitely closer to a classic Roggen beer, I think. Ah, okay. Doc's beer wins the beauty contest, so. Well, it almost could have gotten a a second vote, then, if you're going on style. Almost voted for it. Game close. Okay. Uh, and David Wonder, we brought him in from uh, More Beer, and uh, we thought he'd be a good judge to come in and try it as well. Uh, you can go to morebeer.com, and you'll probably find a picture of David Wonder there. I'm sure it's, it, More Beer always takes great pictures of their employees. You know, uh, one thing about, <laughs> one thing about David, sure do. he probably has to taste 
more homebrew <laughs> right sitting across that desk at, at, in the showroom than it's anybody true. else. There's no doubt about that. In yeah. fact, I think he has John Plissé's old job, so John would know how many shitty, I mean, awesome homebrews <laughs> you have to try at the desk there in the shop. But then you meet guys like Mike and Scott across the counter, and right. you're okay. What's the good part of the job? <laughs> Beer. You definitely have to perfect the... That's good. Oh. Tone. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I thought I could help you, you know with what? that. I you know what? I'll stock the showroom. I'll be right back. That'd be $149. <laughs> if you buy this, your beer will be so much better. All right, Wonder, what did you think about the two beers? You chose A, but I did, uh, I did why? choose A. Uh, I thought both beers were really good. Uh, both beers were very different. Um, and as people were saying, they definitely changed as they warmed up. Uh, I definitely agree with JP as far as the just the flavor and the mouthfeel. I was almost going to say milk, but eggnog is definitely a better kind of descriptor for it. Okay. It's got a little bit more thick, and I, I didn't really couldn't pinpoint it, but that definitely uh, I think is a good word milk. to describe it. I like it. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought I thought A uh, was just overall the better beer as far as just flavor and, and drinkability. I don't know if it was technically to, to style. I kind of agree with everyone as far as style guidelines. A little dark, a little roasty, but I love it. And I'm a big porter and darker beer fan, so would love to know what Doc put in it because it's, it's definitely delicious. But uh, yeah, I, I think it was a cleaner, cleaner beer. Uh, water is probably a little bit better as far as uh, overall, um, but... I thought both beers were good. Um, uh, just that mouthfeel, that slickness, that, that eggnog really, really got me. All right. Do you agree with Justin's assessment of its beeriness? <laughs> of my, my great <laughs> See, this is why I'll never be a beer judge. But for one, I'm too fucking lazy. But two, I'm just like, I don't know, this one's a little beerier. You know? No, you'd be a, you'd be a, 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 a beer judge. I'd be an average beer you judge. You would be a current beer judge. You just wouldn't be a great no, you're one. The, you're that third beer judge that knows nothing. You're just a pretty face on the end. Right. Oh, I, and Except, I am a pretty face. Yeah. It's a rough panel. I think we got everybody, right? I think we went through all the descriptors. Uh, everyone got to try it. Uh, everyone talked about it. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll actually talk about the two, uh, with the two, uh, about their beer days and, and maybe what went wrong. Uh, but I want to say uh, thank you to both of you. The whole point of this challenge is that we all get to learn, and that's the segment that's coming up next. We get to learn from from how this went. And, John, you did a great job. Doc, you did a great job. Uh, I think we're going to get to learn a little bit about decoction mashing when we come back. Uh, I'm curious about two uh, flavor uh, things that came up and two parts of the process that came up that I think we'll talk about. One of them is that acidic was mentioned uh, with John Plissé's beer, and the other one was water mentioned a couple times in Doc's beer. So we'll talk about those couple things when we come back it's just a quick break we'll do that we'll wrap things up congratulations to doc for becoming the third brewcaster challenge winner john please goes into the loser bracket with me <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> and awesome. me. i love it we'll be right back you're listening to the brewcasters, the brewcasters. on the brewing network Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their new Snaplock stainless steel camlock fittings will make connecting your pump or heat exchanger quick and easy. Or check out their exclusive paintball tank-based draft beer equipment. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. 
Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams Way. The Brewing Network's very own Code Writing Fool's son, Ryan Wolf, has opened a beer mecca in Missouri. The Wolf Brow House of Beer has hundreds of beers from all over the world and is conveniently close to I-70 in St. Peter's. Free tastings, Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m., featuring special guests from local breweries. The best build-your-own six-pack around with every style represented. And kegged craft beer available for your kegerator, too. There's always something new at the Wolf Brow House of Beer. New and hard to find beer every week. No two visits are the same, just like passing out at the Rat Pad. Hi, this is Ryan from Wolfbrow House of Beer. Mention the Brewing Network when you stop in for some cool free stuff. Mention JP for a swift kick in the ass. The Wolfbrow House of Beer. Beer with personal service from a member of the BN Army. This is code. Visit my son's shop or I'll yank the fuck BN website down. www.wolfbrow.com Here's a bite for beer lovers. Soft caramel made with real craft brew and coated in chocolate. And hop drops. Hard candies made with real hop oil. Introducing Beer Candy from BeerCandy.com. Beer Candy's amazing caramels come in four mouth-watering flavors. IPA, bitter gold wrapped in smooth white chocolate. Lager, made with a familiar beer from Boston and coated in milk chocolate. Lambic, soury Belgian goodness full of fresh raspberry and dipped in dark chocolate and stout roasty cocoa chocolate insanity hop drops are made with fuggles or cascade hops and are known as the candy that bites you back choose from sampler and full sizes of both and make your mouth jump to life all at beercandy.com hop drops and beer caramels satisfy your sweet tooth as only a beer lover could with beer candy visit beercandy.com today What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but... The cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Hey, Wooly, I'm beat. Can we find a nice tree to just hang out in for a while? You're beat? I've been swinging through this forest for 50 years, ever since we... Ever since we first escaped from the circus. I know, I know, but there's got to be more to life than exploring this creek and trying to populate the valley by copulating with loose, hairy girls. Mark, we stop. Look! 
What is that? It looks like a man-made treehouse. With fresh food. And craft beer. Welcome to the Creek Monkey Tap House, boys. Grab a seat. Creek Monkeys drink free. <laughs> awesome! The Creek Monkey Tap House in Martinez, California takes their mission of fresh food and beer seriously. They only serve locally raised beef and chicken as well as local sustainable produce. It's better for you and the planet, and it just tastes better. The beer and wine at Creek Monkey Tap House are chosen with the same care for the highest quality and rotate frequently to make each visit an adventure. Swing on into the Creek Monkey Tap House and enjoy a new legend of amazing food, beer, and wine. The Creek Monkey Tap House, online at creekmonkey.com. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. (laughs) I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. (laughs) (laughs) The The home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Welcome back to the program, and thank you so much for hanging out with us. Our third Brewcaster Challenge winner is Doc, who is currently urinating. So, uh, John, please say you're allowed to say anything you, you'd like about Doc right now. And <laughs> that jerk. <laughs> I'm uh, what a tough I'll, challenge. I'll so, just to, to remind everybody, you know, we we had a tough time uh, picking uh, who Doc might go against. And uh, we just thought, you know, please say it's the guy. And uh, so then we threw him a, a bigger curveball, both of them, by going, how about we pick a fucked up beer that they have to <laughs> yeah, brew? that's awesome. Uh, so, uh, two wonderful beers, one winner. A lot like that internet video. And one loser. Right? <laughs> or there was two. It was the two winners and then one thing. And a cup. Yeah. Just but like you're, that. you're mispronouncing wieners. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I do that a lot. It <laughs> happens the all the time. The beers tasted kind of like that video, too. <laughs> oh, they were, nah, no, they were I liked good. Them. I'm, kidding. <laughs> non, I'm kidding. Non-tangible? All right. What we'd like to do uh, right now is thank uh, some of the people that sent us in. Uh, th- you know, this is the power of the BN Army. We came on and said, hey, we're going to do Roggen beer. And then uh, we, we had Lee uh, come on the program and tell us about Roggen beer. And then we said, hey, Lee, so where can we get one? And he's like, the fuck if I know. Uh, Germany. Uh, so what happens? Our listeners come out of the woodwork and uh, actually sent us uh, several different beers. We'd like to thank them now. Yeah, we're actually drinking the uh, the final one of the bunch, the Apostle Brow Roggen beer. For some reason, guys named Brian were drawn to send us beer. Brian Johnson, Brian Richards, Brian Kratz, and uh, the weirdo Henning Freeze. Okay. Uh, so thanks, guys. And I would like to uh, thank the German contingent. Uh, first, we had uh, Dre, who actually works right at uh, Paul Honor, and she sent us the Thern and Taxes uh, straight from the brewery. Uh, and her friend Flo, my friend Flo, he was on, the I think, the very first episode of uh, the Brewing Network. He helped us out. And, of course, the lovely and talented Daniela. Uh, you might remember uh, ha- having helped uh, start this whole company. Uh, she organized the whole thing and actually sent us the beer. I think she's the only one with any money over there in uh, Germany right now. So she's like, oh, I'll mail it for you. Uh, so I would like to thank our German contingent for sending us the Polaner. And uh, it's a cool thing to see our mm-hmm. listeners help us out like that. I kind of knew it. You know, JP said, well, we'll do Roggen beer. And I thought, well, God, where the hell are we going to find a Roggen beer? But I knew our listeners would come through, and uh, we thank you for doing that. 
Uh, all right, let's do this. Uh, we've got a couple more things to do today, but what I would like to do is find out uh, what the boys learned from their experience. Uh, and, you know, as I ask you guys, think think in terms of the, of the listeners and these homebrewers out there trying to do different techniques that might, uh, uh, not just for Roggen beer, but for any beer uh, of the style, uh, Veitz beers, things like that. Uh, please say, what did you learn from your brew day? Well, I didn't use carafamalt, and... Um... <laughs> That would definitely influence the uh, the flavor of acidity, the impression of acidity in the beer. Okay. So I think if I would have used that beer, it would have been more of a closer competition, I think, from a, from the quality of Doc's beer. So when when the comments came up about your beer being a little more acidic, you right. th- you think that the, the pH would have been affected if you used Carafa? Right. You know, I mean, I tested my pH. It was 5.3, you know. At the mash, you know, and the boil lowers the pH, and the fermentation will lower the pH. So I wasn't concerned about pH, but it's amazing what the impression of yeast will give as far as acidity is concerned. And I know Weizen yeast alone is a bigger yeast cell, uh, higher, you know, fermenter, higher flocculator. Um, and did I say flocculator? I did. That's fine. And uh, flocky now. I think it'll definitely. <laughs> It's just amazing what a yeast strain will do. And, you know, I did smack packs, you know. It's kind of cool to see what a yeast starter versus smack packs do, you know. And I, I love this experiment coming from you, John, please say. Because <laughs> back in the day, you know, you and Jamil, uh, uh-huh. uh, but but really you too, you, you were such advocates of the yeast starter. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I think we could go back and find out how much yeast, yeast starters changed your brewing. Oh, yeah. And really affected your beers. You started winning competitions. And so I love that you're like, you know what? I'm going to do the experiment that's just a smack pack and fuck it. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Exactly. Yeah, you know? I know. Yeah. I, I thought I could get away with the Weitz and Nice, actually. Yeah. Just because of the cell growth. Um, he wanted some banana characteristic for the style. Um, I figure if I pitch two smack packs for five gallons, I'd still be over pitching for the style. So I kind of just went that route. Um, I actually ended up blending 25% of Colchin in this pre you guys tried. Okay. To cut back on the Weizen. Um, did that last night. Um, I think I could have done a little bit more. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I would note this, and in, unless Lee wants to make an, an amendment, you know, Nathan was the only one, and he's a, a national BJCP judge too, just to put it out there for wow. his tasting qualifications. Yeah. He's the only one that mentioned maybe some under-pitching qualities. But nobody else uh, really thought that it might have been under-pitched, including, you know, Lee didn't at least put it in his commentary. So... I'm not advocating that you don't do a yeast starter, but I would say that it was probably pretty damn close to adequate. Yeah, absolutely. how you how you did it. Yeah, uh, because only Nate picked up on, and he's he he picks up on yeah, some Nate of these subtle things. Yeah, so. sure. Yeah, I would say you know that that uh, the gravelly someone mentioned the flavor to it, like a an eggnoggy. Yeah, I would think that could be coming from the uh, under attenuated flavors, possibly from the yeast. So there's a little influence from the yeast starter. Okay, you know, not having one okay. could have given that impression. So some byproducts weren't consumed. I'm sure if I had a yeast starter, maybe they would have been consumed. Okay. Nate is nodding feverishly. <laughs> I liked it. Bevo, by the way, it, you know, look at this girl go, Calling is the one the who brought out the eggnog, and Wonder agreed. He, he thought milk, uh, which is what he thought wasn't quite enough, but eggnog was the right uh, descriptor. Look at you, Beef, with your mouth full of food. That's why my <laughs> microphone's off. Jesus. <laughs> 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 All right. It's free sandwich so, day. So you learned a few things. Oh, yeah. And rye malt, I actually used to hate rye malt. Now I love rye malt. I mean, I'll brew the beer again for sure. Now, of course, Lee had also said in his commentary that there maybe wasn't enough rye malt. But this is interesting because you both agreed to at least 50% rye malt. Did either of you do more than 50%? 
I did you, 15. You yeah. both did 50. 51, maybe. So yeah. then we're, what we're talking about is how the rye malt is presented. If, if someone's actually kind of saying, you know, there's not enough uh, a, a rye malt in there. Uh, which is weird because, uh, God, 50% rye malt. You'd think JP and I would both absolutely hate it. Right. With the, uh, uh, I've only just started to become to like the rye malt and some of its spicy characters. But you put a lot of it in there and I go, ugh. I think it's only the yeast that maybe covered up some of those qualities. Right. Yeah. Well, I think our mash process definitely um, helped the rye malt be beer-like. Okay. You know, so. Oh, it's beery. See? I'm so close already. It's no, no, no. You said almost dog's said... beer was beery. Oh, shit. Well, <laughs> in John's defense, I was toying with under-pitching. You were? Oh, yeah. To try to stress it out. Oh, yeah. Why? Uh, to push uh, certain ester characteristics with it. I, I don't advocate... Most styles under pitching, but this is one style you would kind of want to do it with. Uh, not a lot, but you know, on, on the on the underside, not over pitching with it. Okay. So I was toying with that too. All right, but you didn't. Well, I was starting late too, and I really wanted to make sure the beer finished and finished well. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to have a, a you know a Nate problem where you couldn't hey, get the no. beer. <laughs> <laughs> but on, on that point, though, did you under-oxygenate or play with that? Wait, wait, hey, or? before you go too far into docs, because we'll talk about that. Let me let me yeah. just make sure we get through uh, John's. Uh, is that it, John, uh, for lessons learned? Um, yeah, I think to a point. I mean, I, I did the same chloride ratios, I think, as doc. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. You know, I, I was really focused on the water profile. I don't start with RO water, so I start with Concord water, which is pretty good. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, oh, yeah. It's wonderful. It's just like Martina's water. It's some of the best in the East Bay. It really is. It really is. It's some of the best in Concord. The yeah. East Bay, uh, the Bay Area has the, some of the best water in the nation. It does? Yeah. It really does. East Bay Mud's the best, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Says who? But we don't get that here. It comes Not from, a guy, I know. Yeah, it comes from Hedge Hedgey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I call him home, Ours, ours doesn't egg. come from Hedge Hedgey. No. Just San Francisco I don't live by does. you. <laughs> yeah. If yours comes from Hedge Hedgey, you definitely have an advantage. Ours does not come from Hetch Hetch. No, you, you pull it right out of that bay. It, call, right, right, it comes North from bay, Hetch man. Sketchy. What? <laughs> <laughs> Bombs. <laughs> but I, I'm glad you mentioned that you did uh, some of the same treatments, because I remember you, as as water came up as a, a, a commentary from Nathan, and uh, I forget who else uh, mentioned the water uh, profile. I remember you, John, saying right in the beginning, I'm going to really focus on the water here. Well, to what I have as a brewer, you know, I don't have doc, what Doc has. I don't start RO water, but, you know, it was carbon block filtered. It went ran through a UV light, you know, killed the bacteria. Wow. It was kind of like pure water. Um, used five, two salts, and I added 1.3 ounces of uh, calcium chloride to it. So I, I could have probably even upped the chloride because I think Doc's has a really nice mineral flavor to it. Kind of a saltiness really complements the carafa. Okay. You know, it gives you that porter like that, you know, Scott was saying. It's a sharpness that kind of. And it subdues the uh, acidity and subdues the uh, phenolics from the uh, Weizenese, So Okay. Yeah. Well, once again, it was well done. You enter the loser bracket with myself Sweet. and Nathan Smith. Dude. Great. Great. <laughs> Look at my... Lo- who's the one who's really losing here? In my loser bracket is John Please and Nate Smith. <laughs> I'm worried about Nate. I don't know about you. <laughs> of course you're worried about... I'm worried about both of you idiots. This sucks. I ain't me. worried about yeah. none, y'all. And now I'm looking at the... You know, there's a few more uh, Brewcaster challenges ahead of us, and God damn it, I hope somebody else who sucks enters the loser bracket. If Jamil ends up in the loser bracket, I'm, I'm just going to quit. You know, it sucks is I was like, you know, the winners, they, I have no points, right? Even though I'm in the winner's bracket. 
Oh, yeah, but you just have no betting points. Right, but I could still, you know, I want to win the betting one, too. Yeah, those are the only uh, ones that matter. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah right. I don't care about It's, break it's good when beer. Bevo moves into the, the winner category, and <laughs> you still lose. Right. <laughs> All right, Doc, tell us what you learned, and it should be stated right off the bat that uh, I think a lot of the characteristics I think we've been talking about, you did a, a full-on decoction mash, which right. we've talked about before. But um, what'd you learn? Uh, well, I learned that I don't like don't hate rye like I thought I would. Okay. Uh, for the and I was really kind of fearing having a lot of this beer run that I didn't want to have. Yeah. And so actually knowing that I wasn't going to brew to BJC guidelines. Yeah. I could play with it. Okay. Certain things I don't like, and a lot of a lot of almost all the recipes all had Munich or Vienna something. And I hate that. You didn't do that. No. So there's none of that in here. What'd you do instead? Um, I did. As we agreed on, 50% rye. Uh, the, re- the other half was about half two-row, half Pilsner, uh, German Pilsner. Uh, and then uh, Carafa. And the Carafa went in right at the end of the mash, basically just for color and some roastiness. And if, if i doing this again, I would probably cut the Carafa in half. But one thing I wanted, another thing I wanted to kind of have here is something a little bit different and having a little bit of roastiness to it. So, would you have cut it in half because it got too dark, yes. or was there a flavor thing? Just uh, too well, dark. Well, it kind of comes hand in hand, but I freaked out when it was first, when, with the color. I go, oh, shit, I did not want to get it that dark. Okay. Even throwing it in right at the end of the mash, and right before I, I loudered, and it's like, oh, crap. Okay. That's really dark. So, And then you wanted more roastiness? No, after no. You wanted no, less? I would have wanted a little less in okay. this, but I wanted some roasting. That's the whole reason it was in there, is to have it have that crisp roast and it's something to be a little bit different another flavor layer in the whole thing got it um so that if i was going to do something different with this whole one it would have been cutting back on the carafa okay not much so much in the way i did it um i really wanted to push the uh the clove and not the banana and bubble gum how do you do that uh, i i did a rest at 110 which is a ferulic acid test a rest and that's that will give the precursor for the clove flavor and that's what i got and then really trying to ferment it keep it at 61 62 the whole time uh and that way you don't get the bananas in the clove ester or the get the clove but not the bananas and the and the, the bubble gummy kind of stuff okay which goes back to me over pitching or pitching a, actually i pitched a fermenting <laughs> beer I, I i pitched four thousand milliliters into about 13 gallons. So you didn't do your normal, I'm going to dump off the top and just do that yeast cake. You pitched the whole thing in there. Oh, the thing was full on fermenting in a 5,000 milliliter flask. I put that in it because I knew that at this temperature, I did not want to take any chance that it was going to stall out. Okay. And I needed to kind of finish on the faster side because... Fitty G threw down the gauntlet like about two weeks before. Says I'm done. <laughs> I didn't like that so much. So. I see. I see. This is this is the shit talk inside that I <laughs> like. We're not getting enough of that. So <laughs> I had I had to step up on that thing. Yeah. And I was kind. I didn't taste this beer until yesterday. I think I carbonated it. When did Saturday you get peak croissant from your pitch? When did croissant actually peak at its? Oh, it was, it was bubbling pretty quick. Uh, I oxygenated it twice, and within 
Oh, with with that big pitch? Yeah. It, it, no, it was twelve hours at max. It, it was. Just, I was the same. It was just going nuts. Just right away. I expected yeah. a lot more blow off, and I I I had not as much beer as I would normally put in the big fermenter, so I didn't quite get the blow off. But I bet it, if I would have packed that fermenter full, I would have been going all over. Okay. Can I ask a really important question? Is that all right? Oh, to, to so I, I didn't know you were sorry, asking, asking my permission. Yeah, yes. I, was, I was looking at you. Yes. Um, who's taller? Hmm. <laughs> it is important. No, I wish so I was too. a little bit taller. I wish I was a. I don't know. Must be John Plisse, right? I think so too. Uh, you Nobody's uh, shorter than Doc. Right. I'm a little bit taller now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that you've won the brew count, <laughs> yeah. More, more length, more width wise, not height. Uh, but I got to say, chest this, is out. <laughs> this had me a little worried going yeah. up against John Plisse. <laughs> of course. Are you driving at something, JP? No. I just wanted to know. Just just randomly. randomly. Passing okay. thought. Yeah. But uh, all good beers all the way around. Uh, I guess <laughs> all, tell, all the way along uh, all, that line. Well, the whole thing I, I told John, the one thing I, only thing I didn't like about his beer, his color was too light. <laughs> it was light. Now, well, to that, John, you've revealed that you... You mixed, ha- you blended half a Kolsch with this beer. Yeah, I did because the actual hundred percent was too banana. Ah, so do I you knew think go- it affected your color? Was the other was the no, original the same, co- same exact color almost? Oh, I see. That was a but, good call to mix it with Kolsch, but, though. But yeah, I, but I knew like I could have too much banana tones because I didn't have a yeast star. Got it. Did, did you say half, Jay? Half was I Kolsch? S- I, no, twenty five percent of it's Kolsch. Twenty five percent, right? Okay. How did you do that? Did you add a little and then keep adding more, or I did it by weight in the keg? Oh wait, I got I got a party foul here because uh, that cuts you down to twenty five percent rye. Oh <laughs> no, it's still rye malt in the wort. No, from the Kolsch. What? Your final beer only final has twenty five percent rye, but they didn't seventy. Uh, uh, yeah, twenty five percent. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't the thing. It was the recipe had the recipe had specific specific rye, which Thank you did. JP. We didn't make buddy. a non blending rule. It's true. That's we right. didn't say you couldn't blend with whatever you wanted. So I could have blended down to no rye. Yeah. <laughs> no. I would have liked you to do I that. Use, even my math, no, you could no, never no. have blended it down to no rye. But I split half the word. Half, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of ray mold in both words. Two carboys. Uh, you're saying, oh. The, you, how much so it wasn't was? a Kolsch. It was a Kolsch yeast. Kolsch yeast with the rye uh, base. Uh, oh. yeah, yeah. So it was Woo. still, so same amount of Same uh, amount of rye. Okay. Whoa, hold on. It wasn't, <laughs> you didn't do it with a Kolsch. No. You did it I with the Kolsch ferment. Right. Okay. There you go. Got it. Okay. He's still right there. Okay, you're still in. I'm still in. Doc, you sound like the guy who lost just looking for a loophole here back (laughs) to winning. What's going on? No, I just thought I'd just throw another jab (laughs) at him. That's awesome. Oh, dear. One thing I I didn't like about Doc's beer, I thought it was too salty minerally and uh, too too much carafe malt. Yeah, fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what, John? You're taller than him. (laughs) (laughs) Not today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Uh, although it, I think I remember Doc saying he actually didn't treat the water all that much. Not this that time. much. It was it was kind of a oh shit, I need to do something <laughs> with this. And it was kind of, it was kind of a usually I really work the water, and this is a last minute kind of thing. And but it wasn't just RO water. You did something. to Oh it. no, I did. Yeah, and, of course. And you called it perfectly. Uh, oh, yeah. chloride. Yeah. Uh, yeah, calcium chloride. Lots of. And it. that's all I put in there. I should put, I should put more in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I gotta, you got to feed the yeast with the calcium, and then the chloride's going to make it that softer and rounder. Right. All right. And, and Nate, man, called me out on that one. It's <laughs> good. Nate's got you. I got you, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Fucker. Well, you both did a great job. It's another excellent brewcaster challenge. A round of applause for both our contestants. <laughs> 
On our next show back, we will reveal our next Brewcaster Challenge, and I think you're going to be surprised at uh, who we're going to stack up against each other. I will go back and say, God damn it, I hope that uh, somebody who sucks ends up in the loser uh, bracket. Because right now, I'm going to lose the loser bracket, too. It's getting you're ugly. Double fucking loser. You're at the bottom of the loser bracket. I think the way... And we haven't discussed this. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. The the loser bracket, instead of... Should just be a best in show among all of us. Because there's no time for us to keep doing two on two on two on two. Right. Only the winner oh. goes two on two. Uh, somehow, we're just going to have to... So, best winner takes all. Yeah. Which, I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> because now it's my beer uh, so far against Watch John win. and Nathan. And, and whoever else ends up in the shitty bracket. If Bevo doesn't end up in the shitty bracket, I'm going to be pissed. Shouldn't it be least worst beer instead of best? You know, for the loser's bracket? Yeah, okay. maybe so. First of all... Rude. <laughs> right. Second of all, I need help. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because we still don't know what to do with no, you. You, you, you match, don't really match. have to do anything with me. I can just keep <laughs> sitting here and voting and <laughs> just have never to... have to sit a week out, which gives me an advantage. If you just match her up against Sammy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> just can, tell her there's a free sandwich in it. I don't want to be matched up against Sam. I'm matched up against Sam every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're matched up against him. God. To be fair. Can I get a break? To be fair to you, I don't think it's much of a matchup. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe it is, though. A couple more things to do. Uh, how about our Grog Tag label challenge? Which That's I- right. I'm ready for you, Justin. <laughs> I think everybody voted uh, yeah. by now. And no. so let me look through some of the labels first here. Okay. And, uh, can you put them on big screen? So yeah, well, I can put them on. Old eyes can see them, too. I can put them on screen screen. That's all I can do. <laughs> Uh, They're pretty good, actually. All right, right now we have three labels for Doc, mm-hmm. and what we have uh, here is Goat Farmer Roggen Beer, Roggen Beer, and of course it's got a picture of a little cartoon goat uh, with a nice little foo on his uh, on his chin. We know it's anonymous. We don't know whose that is, but uh, Goat Farmer Roggen Beer is one of them. Uh, the next label was. Doc's freaking out, and it's got a sweet Volkswagen high top uh, bus on it with uh, tie dye fucking hippie paintings all over the thing. Wait, wait, wait. That's enough description. Come on, you're, like, you're exaggerating. I, I like that one. I can't. I'm gonna try to read the text. You can click on it. Bevo, I'm so it'll make big. Here, blind. somebody pass him my glasses. It says, just when you think you're going to lose it, this will pull you back from the edge. Oh, there you go. Okay. You couldn't read that, Jay. You, no. you click on it and it gets larger. I can't, it doesn't. It gets barely larger. Do I have to go? Oh, now go back. There we yeah, go. Yeah, then you hit the back browser. I think it's See, a shitty Photoshop browser. skills of the person who created it. <laughs> That's right. And then the last one is called uh, Roggen Grills. And it's got a picture of uh, a dude with a grill. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Roggen Grills by Doxstar. By Doxta. Yeah, oh, Doxta. That's right, quite gangsta. By Doxta. Uh, all right, those are the three. Uh, one, two, and three. JP, who won of the uh, three Doc labels? Of the three Doc labels, shockingly enough, yeah. uh, number three won. Roggen Grills, son! That's right. Another win for Justin, who cannot clean up in the beer category, but can make goddamn good labels. Mine would have won if it was posted. I, I'm not surprised in any way. <laughs> nope. But I'm the only one who's... I spent 18 hours. <laughs> I, like, I spent a whole week on this thing. Mm. Uh, Rog and Grills, Doc. Do you approve of my label? Yes, I do. Then we should get it printed by our good friends over at Grog Tag and actually put it on some bottles of the winning beer uh, for Rog and Grills. 
Uh, all right, let's go back now and uh, see who won in the uh, Plissé labels. Uh, labels uh, created for John Plissé. Uh, the first one we have here is uh, John Plissé is hard. <laughs> is the name, and it's like a it's like a rhino with a bunch of armor on it, and it says so. It's a rhino. Uh, Roggen beer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh, Brewing is hard. Rock and beers are hard. Rhinos are hard. Plissé is hard. As a motherfucker, uh, deal with it, son. Deal with it, son. <laughs> uh, is the last line. Uh, I like this label. This that was label. not the best delivery. <laughs> Should I try again? No. Okay. Rock. Rock. Right. You make fun of me. You're an idiot. <laughs> right. What are you so angry about today, Bebo? Jesus. Really angry. What I do to you? I can't see. All right, uh, the next one is uh, Daddy's Girl. Uh, oh, it has. A, I was trying to read some of the text, but someone took an image from Shutterfly or something, so the text doesn't count. It just was a stolen image. Well, you uh, no one's going to pay for that. I mean, Daddy's Girl Roggen, brewed in Martinez, California. Am I missing anything? No. Okay. That's it. That's the label? Well, mate, no, let me see. It, uh, well, it has some, like, ounces and stuff. But, yeah, that's uh, it. Okay. All right. The next one is Fitty G's Comeback Roggin' Beer, uh, brewed by John Plissé. Uh, you can call him a winemaker, but don't call him Chicken Boy. Brewcaster Challenge. I like that. That's a good one. And finally, the uh, last submission. Roggin' Balls Roggin' Beer. Oh, no. It's got a picture of uh, some ethnicity I don't recognize uh, touching... Uh, that would be white. ...balls of some sort. <laughs> Giant sack. I know what? you're in Martinez. Kind of looks like but... a horse balls or something. There's yeah, some balls. sort of animal balls. Are you balls. sure, Bevo? Well, just judging by the size of her hand versus the balls... Could be Sammy's. <laughs> they're either mine or Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says, uh, because John P... <laughs> Is closer. Sound, oh, because, it, sound it out. Because John P. <laughs> is all balls. To this broad. Oh, thank you. To this broad. Oh, for the love the, of God. The, get this man some readers. I'm so old. I can't read anything. The Necker label says Swollen Rogan. Oh. Swollen Rogan. Wouldn't it be Swollen Rogan? I don't know. Swollen Rogan. And who's the winner Hi, of I'm the Rogan. John Plissé label? Oddly enough, number four. Rogan Balls! Another sweep by Crosley! He's taking the nation by storm! He's the new beer marketing champion! Your competition kind of sucks. Okay. Yeah. So basically, you just put balls and black people on your label. I'm not trying to talk crap or anything. Crap or anything, but yeah. you just had that much difficulty reading your own label. And I really did. I wasn't faking it. I couldn't read the fucking thing. You are an idiot. Label. So that's forty hours of your life well spent. <laughs> right. And you wonder why the Brewing Network sucks. This is what I do. Uh, JP's like, we should do labels. And I'm like, great. Good. Now I just spend two weeks doing this. Eight years to make labels. Come on, Roggen Balls is great, gentlemen. It is good. I would have voted for that. I am the yeah. champion. I did. I did vote. I vote for both of yours. Yeah! Goal! There we go. Soccer announcer oh, Justin. God. Yeah. I love it. Well, listen. 
I'm in the loser bracket with a bunch of <laughs> with a bunch of fucking champions. This is all I have. It's called Martinez. You can bet that this is not going to get less enthusiastic as the time goes on because this is all, all that I have. have. <laughs> Uh, all, right. all right. I do encourage some of you to take me off my uh, label-making pedestal and uh, <laughs> participate in the next label challenge, everybody. Hey, I yeah. thought John Plissé is hard was, was, you know, not my best effort, after Man. all. Actually, yours was my second favorite. Also, because yours is real, it's real classy looking. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it looked real good. Who did Daddy's Girl? That Tasty? Plissé's daughter. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> That's a good... That one's cute. Yeah. Yeah. The old softy. But I like that you didn't even take out the stolen image uh, <laughs> text. Here. Give me a budget and I'll take that off. <laughs> yeah, you're like, fuck it. Uh, who did uh, Fitty G's comeback rock and beer? I did that one. You did that? Yeah. Not bad. I like the theme of it. Had you made the... But you the, the image on the comeback rock and beer is just some barley. Yeah. If I, I mean, could give like, you a little hell? advice as the champion... Put some uh, black people and some balls on there or what? That's where you lost it. Uh, what's Titties. You gotta sit and think, okay. Well, you know. If it's gonna be his comeback beer, what's his comeback all about? And and then whatever comes to your mind... That's why you're a marketer. You know what Forget my favorite? about whatever comes to your mind. Yeah. You ever seen the labels from Demolin? They're my favorite labels ever. I you should I've look them up if you've never seen them. Are they all fucked up? Yeah, they're, they're fucked up in the best way. It's it's hey. white background, black text. <laughs> That's what I love about them. Perfect. See, you guys got to think. It's gotta, all black and white to you. What is exactly. the inspiration for the name? Like when I thought of Roggen yeah. Balls, I could have put tennis balls on the thing. Of course. But no. I And then I, I could have just put the biggest balls I could find, but that's not good enough. I found a broad touching the biggest <laughs> balls I could find. What you did, see how, how this works? How did you find that? Fucking Google image. But you, did you, you Google image search women cupping animal balls? That'll work. Actually, I'll tell you Because you're going to get what, flagged. No, no. I'll tell you. All I searched. Oh, he's flagged. All I searched was. Uh, it's, it's all luck. All I searched was elephant balls. And, <laughs> and for like 10 images, it was elephant of balls. Of course you did. And then, and then, thank you, baby Jesus, image number 11. Was this broad holding these enormous balls? Wow! And I just thought, that's it. Thank you, Jim. That's the that's the uh, the, the moment. Justin, yeah. Justin, the Jets paid nineteen ninety five a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, only once. I got to ask you, where were you when you had this epiphany and this inspiration? Because I usually know where. Yeah, is it where you usually do? I just sit in my living room, yeah, uh, spread eagle on a pile of pillows. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, no, nude with the blinds closed <laughs> on your chase. You're, yeah. you're on the shitter when you have these epiphanies. Yeah. Well, that's Band true. Of horses up to eleven. I had just, I was having a drought with this one. I didn't know what to do with the two of you. You're both a little plain sometimes. So uh, <laughs> I was, white. I was on. having trouble on the shitter. But about five We're minutes after down. I left the shitter, We're whiter than inspiration you. came. And uh, there you go. That's a good story. <laughs> Why am I getting more airtime than the beer winners? <laughs> I don't know that. Because <laughs> it's your show. Don't Perfect. know. That's right. Because it's pathetic. All uh, right. Very quickly, we need to do feedback, and then I think yay, we can get out of here. And right? Twitter game. Okay. All right. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Kick ass. I actually wasn't sure if I did feedback. Apparently, I did. All there right. Feedback's go. brought to you today by Moonlight Meadery. Go Woo! check them out. Uh, they're a, a great supporter of the Brewing Network, and we love Michael Fairbrother and his wonderful meads. Check them out. Moonlight Meadery. Uh, Matt writes in, hey, everyone. I just wanted to say I'm really enjoying the changes to the show. Uh, the new sessions have been very enjoyable. As always, thanks for the information. Keep the good work. Okay. We've made changes? Um, I think just with the more brewing talk and less oh. penises. Good. <laughs> we or just have a whole segment about balls. 
but less penises. Right. Yeah. And losers. <laughs> All right. Ryan Scott writes in, uh, Justin, I'll try to keep this short. I started listening to the BN about five years ago, started brewing four and a half years ago, and uh, started competing with batch number six. The point of all this is that I opened my own 10-barrel brewery August 3rd in Colorado. Business has been booming so far, and none of it would have been possible without the BN. That's Ryan Scott from Odd 13 Brewing in Colorado. Congrats, man. Uh, dear feedback, I know you really want feedback and not show ideas, but this show, uh, this show idea is also feedback in a way. I would like you to do a whole show about trademark issues in the brewing world. And then, shut the fuck up about it already. <laughs> That's from P-Dub. P.S. Do you see how this works as feedback? <laughs> I do, but fuck you. Well, we're, I don't see where that's coming from. Because, yeah, you know, you don't even get off on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you want to talk about trade? Never mind. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. Uh, reality check from the East Coast writes in. Uh, number one, Brendan Moylan. He is absolutely your best guest of the year. Love the honesty, talk about brewing and whiskey, and everything else he said, which would easily make him uh, the perfect replacement for JP. What? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to clap. You shouldn't. Uh, Number two, uh, why does it seem like Tommy Arthur comes off like such a douchebag? Is he really one? If so, why not get him on the show to defend himself against allegations from people such as Brendan? Uh, I can't answer why uh, you would think he comes off that way, uh, but whatever. I don't know. I can't help the guy. I I like the guy. He's been great to us. <laughs> yeah, he's a nice guy. Didn't you go to his place? He's fantastic yeah, to us. Yeah. I think he kind of doesn't care about what he sounds like, and so I don't think coming on the show would help him much. He's very. He just keeps to himself unless he's around his friends and like other people. Then he's. Yeah. But I've seen him walk around the bridge, just head down and kind of just doing his thing. Man, I, I, I do could, the same thing. He I doesn't could, need you and your bullshit. That's I guess why. <laughs> I can see you and JP, him and JP together, and they just like be together and by themselves at the same time. Yeah. That's the best way. I'd like to hang out with people like that. If I can be with them and then not at the same time. Best friends ever. Yep. I will say I've never had a bad ex- uh, personal experience with Tommy Arthur myself. I think he's always been a nice guy. But uh, yeah, he's also done, you know, Brendan had a whole thing about the trademark shit. There you go. Uh, number three. Uh, NHC, the National Homebrewers Conference. I was surprised to see how skinny all of you were. I.e. Justin, JP, Nathan, etc. Uh, minus Tasty and Bevo. <laughs> oh. That's so rude! Yikes. That is rude. I thought you looked great at NHC yeah. and Bevo. Whatever. So did Justin. Uh, how about me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, hi, Tasty. Hey. <laughs> I had a better time than all you guys. Uh, seriously, True. I thought you guys would have all been fat as fuck or would have beer bellies the size of Octomom. We are. It's just an optical illusion. Apparently just Tasty and I. <laughs> fuck that guy. She's Don't read mom. any more of his stuff. He didn't say about your gut. Uh, you're not the only ones he uh, is uh, offended by your appearance. Uh, why are Jamil's legs so pale? What the fuck? His legs look like the color of my toilet paper. Uh, bring that up on Bruce Strong or whatever other stupid show they do. Send him a new pair of sweatpants and I'll wear those instead. Where they sit around and talk about beer. Uh, all right, there you go. Uh, that was from, oh, uh, P.S. JP Show uh, Dr. Homebrew is actually not bad. Glad to see him get credit for uh, a standard quality show. What do you Thank mean, you. actually? It's standard yeah. quality. It's standard quality. Yeah, like, JP's finally reached standard quality. Here's it's your been 30 a dream point of beer. mine uh, for a very long time. You've jumped up and reached average. <laughs> and that's our reality check from the East Coast. All right.
right. I think we have Twitter game to do, and that's that, right? Yeah, sure do. Let's do it. Where's John? John, did you hear the Twitter game? Oh. Uh, what was our Twitter game tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Doctor's doing great. Yeah, that pregnant pause. Uh, Twitter game was, uh, was "What's ha- John Please Say been doing?" and uh, "Where has he been?" I was handing it off to you. Oh, you're right. doing a great job. What do we have? Awesome. Uh, Clutie writes, uh, "Please Say has been decorating his home with the skulls of champion homebrewers and wearing their faces." <laughs> I like that one. No, I like it too. He's a little creepy. He's a little creepy. <laughs> Chris B. writes, he's been locked in Jamil's dungeon, naked, polishing all of Jamil's NHC awards. <laughs> yes. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what did it for me. Was the naked part or the polishing the NHC awards? Over oh, the dungeon part. <laughs> right. Uh, Smoke and Joe writes, he was held hostage in a basement and forced to brew beer against his wishes. He obviously loves wine. Okay. <laughs> Martin... <laughs> That's a, that's a double entendre. Sorry. Uh, Sugar Valley Brewer writes, he's been in rehab trying to get over his fascination with Bebo's ass. <laughs> that's only mildly funny, but the fact that JP finds it incredibly funny makes well, me laugh. No, no. The Every funny... week, Sugar Valley Brewer, his, his answer is something to do with Bebo's ass. <laughs> oh, I see. That's the funny part. It makes me laugh. I didn't know. Uh, Bob Clean writes in, he says, uh, John Plissé has been campaigning to get more styles added to the BJCB guide so the Jamil show can return. Okay. And then Jeff Cole writes, smelling his own farts and becoming a bourgeois elitist. Well, I think there's only one winner here, and that's Locked in Jamil's Dungeon, right? Yeah. Let's do it. Everybody? All right. Locked All right. in Jamil's Dungeon is our Twitter game winner this week. Yeah. Wonderful. Are we done with everything? Yeah. Yeah. I'm done with you. Let me see. Did feedback. I did it. Oh yeah. All right. I think you did great. All right. We're off for the next two weeks. Yes. Uh, hey, did we do drunk of the week? Uh, <laughs> it's it's me. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. I'll get you your medal in about four weeks, like everyone else. It's our annual uh, two week uh, Burning Man break. Uh, whether we go to Burning Man or not, we still take it every year in honor right. of Burning Man uh, and Labor Day weekend and all that. So we won't be back for a couple weeks. It's our normal uh, week off, uh, both this month and next month. So. I love honoring overpriced art. Yeah, hey, uh, suck it. <laughs> it's not going to help. I don't often say suck it, JP, but hey. That's not going to help anything. Suck it. All right, is that it? That's it. Moscow? Yeah, we're done. All right, thanks to everybody for coming in today. David Wonder, I appreciate you coming in to taste. Uh, I think we got Lucas in here too. Lucas Ohio Patty, who was in uh, just a couple weeks ago. So I might do the same thing and play a little JP's an asshole while you do the Exodus. And then do you want to play a song at the end of the program for us? Sure. Just grab the acoustic is- guitar and we'll, we'll plug you in right here. Okay. All right, Nate and Tasty, get the fuck out of here. All right, of course. And we'll get Lucas uh, to sit right there, and we'll get a little uh, Lucas Ohio Patty, who, you know, I'm 99% sure the man's going to play Winterfest for us, uh, which I'm quite excited about. Uh, We'll have announcements for Winterfest coming up in the coming month. We're going to get to work on it in high gear. And uh, I'd love to have Lucas play that. Uh, By the way, after he did our show the next day, I jumped in my car, uh, turned on the uh, car, and the radio came on. And who's on it? Lucas Ohio Patty. Yeah, he's getting uh, a lot of rotation on KFOG. I don't understand. What? The radio? The radio. (sighs) What is that? It's like a thing in the car. Which car were you in? Yeah, to put uh, your tape deck in to hook up to your phone. No tape deck. Really? Wow. No phone either. The uh, fuck is it coming to? Tape deck to a phone. Swear to God, that's what my car has. My 2005. Like a tape deck to a rotary phone? Yeah, to my rotary phone. And whatever. And that's I how got, you take calls? I got 10 million lines. Uh, 10 million miles of lines. In this, and you're this, like, this hello? Thing. Orson Welles, is that you? <laughs> yes. 
No, I think Alexander Graham Bell. Alexander Graham Bell. I love yeah. that guy. <laughs> Alexander. Alexander Graham Bell. Uh, we're Al- just killing time. Alligator Graham Bell. Back here. When is Nate going to bring in his acoustic guitar? <laughs> it's drop D acoustic. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear me play one chord on acoustic over and over again. It'll will be awesome. you will you do a little uh, acoustic death metal for us oh, one day? Sure, yeah. You, will? you want right that now. shit? I do oh, yeah, want that of course. shit. How about right now? I we have like, acoustic guitar. No, no, well, no, no, no. Because then it's gonna get all fucked up. Yeah, let the real musician play first. Because first of all, Nate's gonna drop D it, and then he's gonna beat the shit out of it, <laughs> and then it'll never be the same again. I'll sing for you, Nate, if you did that. I would sing. That'd be right. beautiful. I would sing some death metal. While they get Lucas uh, geared up, uh, what's the uh, what's the uh, web address again, Lucas, so everybody can go, because I'm not going to have a chance to tell him. LucasOhio.com. There you go. And you can get show dates. He's playing in Napa coming up uh, next the, weekend. Yes. Saturday, uh, August 24th, we're playing 1 to 2.15 on the KFOG stage for the Blues, Brews, and Barbecue Festival. Right there in downtown Napa. Right in downtown. Beautiful. Uh, Free you- show. Go check out Lucas there. He's a good dude, and the music is fantastic. We've been digging it here at the BN. JP, take us out of here, and then we'll go to Lucas. Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely. Can I just say I like that you waited like four measures, like a real, like a classical musician. What I always do. And one, and two, (laughs) and three, and thank you to our sponsor. Well, I didn't really have to count. It's just kind of in my blood to be a trained professional. I just really liked it because it, 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 it wasn't very radio-like. It was more classical music-like. Well, what would you like for me to do? Because you've never actually properly trained me in how to come in on this whole I, I thought So it was I just great. wait until the build, and then that's it. It's I thought it was a unique style. Thank you. Because I think our listeners will grow out here. I'll count for our mm-hmm. listeners so they can do it, too. And we'll, okay. it goes, and one, and two, and three. Here we go. So good. When I, I think just, of all the your pieces was of just shit <laughs> that I've ever walked on, you're the biggest turd in the I just, world. I just felt like the rhythm was so. It was kind of like how you Imagine. made fun of Bevo for the reading of her list of how how the beer went. And now I would like <laughs> to tell you about why I judge the beer. That's yeah. how you're. Uh, all right. Compliment or not, or just observation? Both. Well, that should be a new segment. Compliment <laughs> or observation? Comments Jay has made to his hosts. Compliment <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> or... Yeah. Right. And one, and two, and three, and go. Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. If you can't get enough of cats, Disneyland, and self-hatred online, follow JP on Twitter at MajorJip. Scott's on Twitter as well. If he's not counting his money by candlelight, follow him at Moscow Paints. For some good beer insight and homebrew info, follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew and Mike McDowell at Tasty McDee. Production director on the session has been Push Eject. Tonight's show has been produced by Scott Moskowitz. JP was crying on the inside. Your call screener and terrible parent has been Bevo. And your host was Justin Crossley. Be sure to find the Brewing Network on Facebook and Twitter. Born on the road, daddy left early, 
Going back to Chattanooga Where my hair's naturally curly I'm going back Cause I love coming home I'm going back Where my roots still grow I miss you smiling Shining like a hubcap I miss the sound of you coming home Alaska to Alabama Then back on the train You still wonder Why I'm quiet in the rain When the wild fire rolls Gets you thinking I'm far from home Shot kid watching the great world spin I miss that drive off the Interstate 5-9 We'd pull off and picnic before the sun could shine I left your heart broken so I could keep mine whole I hope you understand, baby, I still love you like my own To thinking I'm far from home Remember I'm a slingshot kid Watching the great world spin I miss my friends Miss them like the devil I miss sipping chocolate With Grandpa the Rebel And I miss coolers and ice cold beer Out on the deck you draw so near